welcome to the 205th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And we're currently talking about the Vision Quest storyline from 1989, West Coast Avengers, John Byrne, cool stuff. But... If you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, this week, there is a lot to talk about. Surprisingly, I didn't think, I thought this was going to be like a shorter episode, because there's no CW shows, and that's, you know, three episodes right there, that's a a big chunk, but... Uh, with uh, <laughs> I'm going to talk about the first five episodes of he- Masters of the Universe uh, Revelation. I almost called it He-Man. It's not not He-Man. So you'll hear about that. That came out what two Fridays ago or something like that. Um, I'm actually going to. I debated about talking about Batman: The Long Halloween Part Two. If I should do this episode or next one because it's it's available now digitally. It came out last week digitally. Comes out on Blu-ray next week so i i got my copy of the blu-ray thanks to warner brothers home animation so i'll talk about it this week and next week i don't know what i'm going to talk about next week um transformers the beast wars part three whatever where we'll save that for next week so we'll, we'll do that jungle cruise is the main movie feature i'm going to talk a tiny bit about the uh, woodstock 99 documentary uh, yeah, I, I got some thoughts on that. And then uh, I'm going to talk a tiny bit. There's a new Hanna-Barbera-ish show called Jellystone on HBO Max. They dropped, I think, 10 episodes. I'm going to talk about the first three. I I definitely have some things to talk about <laughs> with that. Uh, and then Rick and Morty and Bad Batch and comics and the news. So the big news from the week. Um, this is really unfortunate. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney for Black Widow. Before people are saying like, oh, she's greedy for money or whatever like that, I think she's in the right. She is uh, suing them for breach of contract. Basically, her contract was, you know, part of her payment was receiving money from the box office. You know, that that's part of the deal. And, and you know, she's been in nine other MCU movies, I think it, it's it's been now. And this, you know, this movie that we've been looking forward to and, and et cetera, et cetera. But because it's in theaters and Disney Plus, she's... You know, it, the box office sales are, are down. Now, you could also say, well, it's because of COVID and, and so forth. But, I mean, there's like a huge drop in the box office. And apparently, this is where I wasn't really clear on, but I, I, I saw another. I've, I've read like a bunch of different stuff about this. Is Apparently, she's not getting a cut of the Disney Plus sales. So, that seems even sketchier where people are saying, hey, you can go see it in the theater or... Give us thirty bucks, save us on you know we'll make more money. Yeah, they could be losing some money if if you have like a family of eight or whatever watching it, but they don't have to pay movie theaters a, a cut of the ticket sales and and so forth and you know distribution. It's going straight to them. They're not sharing it with Vudu or Apple or iTunes or anything like that. It's all going in their pocket. That seems kind of bad. And the other thing is when uh, Scarlett Johansson or people found out about this, like when Disney first announced it, they reached out to him and they didn't respond to him. So 
Scarlett Johansson, you know, she went on a press tour. She's promoting the movie, everything. You know, she could have straight off from the beginning said, "Hey, this is this is pretty shady," but no, she's you know bigger person than that, and you know she did her job and promoted the movie and all that, and now she's she's losing money, and that that she rightfully deserves because that was the deal. And then Disney, to in in uh in in reaction reaction response, that's the word I'm looking for. They're like. Well, you know, she's being insensitive to the time of COVID and everything like that. And she already made 20 million bucks. It's like, dude, you don't talk about people's salary and everything. It doesn't matter how much she made. That was a deal that was in place. And then now they're saying, you know, because the contract said it was going to be exclusively in theaters. There was nothing in there about streaming, you know, that that offer. I, I think she's in the right. And, you know, it doesn't matter how much she got. She could have got like a hundred million off it. She could have gotten a, a billion off of it. I mean, the deal is a deal. And, and that looks bad. Supposedly Kevin Feige is like embarrassed and, and upset with how it's been handled. And he should be. And, you know, cause it makes him look bad when you hear about all this stuff, you know, Kevin Feige is like Mr. MCU, you know, you, whether he, you know, you, you know it or not, or whatever the facts are, everyone looks at it as he's the dude in charge. He's not. You know, there, there are people above him that, you know, above his pay grade and all that, which is unfortunate because he is doing a great job, I, you know, and does he get all the credit? Maybe not, but he gets a lot of it. So that's uh, that's really uh, a shame. It's really upsetting that that she's getting screwed like this. And I wonder, is like, is she still going to produce the Tower of Terror movie? You know, is, is this going to affect that or anything? Because I'd be like, man, this this sucks. Or, or just, you know, make sure you... I mean, again, I was going to say, make sure you have a, you know, really... A concrete ironclad um, contract, but she had that, and it didn't matter. And and then to make make things worse, I wonder how this is related because I, I think it was a week or so, maybe I don't know if it was this past week. Disney also announced that they're they're moving up the the home release of Black Widow. So because I, I think it was it was supposed to come out in Disney Plus on October sixth, but apparently you'll be able to watch it digitally on August tenth. That might mean like on demand, like paying to buy it, or maybe it's just rental or something like that. And then it's going to come out on Blu-ray on September 14th and and I'll I'll HD, you know, 4k and all all that. So she probably doesn't get a cut of that either. Cause you know, if, if her, her pay was on box office. So now it's like, Hey, we're, we're cutting the theatrical run even shorter. Cause now people will hear, Oh, I can watch it. You know, I don't want to pay 30 bucks but I can watch it on August 10th. Okay, I'll wait a couple weeks or whatever. Or it's coming out on Blu-ray on September 14th. I, I, I can wait that. September is better than October, you know, it's a month. Lit. So it's even cutting the, the theatrical run even shorter. So it's it's, it's just, it's it's too bad. And um, it sucks. Um, and I usually, I usually don't criticize Disney. You know, I know a lot of people hate them and everything for stuff that they do. But yeah, so there you go. Um, and other Disney news, Hawkeye is going to be appearing in Disney Plus. It has a release date of November 24th. So that's cool. But it got got me thinking, when is Ms. Marvel coming out? Um because you know, it it seems like they they want to keep things consistent. We have what if starting was it August 11th. I don't have a calendar in front of me. And you know, that's coming out every Wednesday and there's 10 episodes which I think takes us to August or takes us to October 11th or 10th or something 11th i think again i don't 13th <laughs> you look in a calendar i'm i'm, I'm so I, I think there's like six episodes of ms marvel hawkeye i think is eight so 
they're from that last episode. I mean, it almost looks like they could do Ms. Marvel on that October 13th or whatever that Wednesday is, but there might be an overlap. So maybe like the last episode of what if, and the first episode of Ms. Marvel will be on that same date. They haven't announced it yet, but if Hawkeye is November 24th, and that's eight episodes or whatever. That's going to take, I'm pretty sure it's eight. That's going to take us like to the end of the year. So if they want to do, and if they're trying to do it every Wednesday, I, I don't think they'd want to do like Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel at the same time, because that would be silly. It'd be awesome for us. But from a business standpoint, it's like, okay, if they can do like, we'll have an MCU thing, we'll have, you know, animated what if and then we'll have ms marvel and we'll have hawkeye that takes us from august to the end of the year to, to december whatever 31st a marvel you know mcu content every week even if you, if it's animated doesn't matter I'm, I'm still i'm excited to see it so it doesn't make sense for them to overlap when they could stretch things out and try to keep you know something going you know at, at the same time so We'll have to see. Uh, like I said, there's been no announcement on that. And I don't know, is it finished? You know, are you still working on it? You know, so we'll, we'll have to see about that. Um, as far as um, DC news, so apparently J.K. Simmons is in negotiations to play Commissioner Gordon in uh, the HBO Max Batgirl. So Batgirl was just cast last week and i'm pretty sure i talked to so now this is where my my weeks overlap when i start like kind of gathering news you know thinking about stuff and then when i so i I think i talked about that last week where it's just like okay not who i would have imagined i mean i don't even notice actress from anything because i haven't seen in the heights but uh so it's cool because this you know it makes it seem if she's latina then not that it matters <laughs> because then it's like, okay, was Jeffrey Wright, right? That's, that's his name. He's, he's been cast commissioner Gordon in the Batman. So it's like, okay, maybe they're related. You know, he's, he's black. She's Latina. And you got that versus JK Simmons, who is pure white, right? <laughs> I have to say pure white. And he's much older. So he's actually going to be this, this new, um, Batgirl's father. I mean, that, that seems like, uh, so apart from him being pure white, it doesn't matter because you know you, you you know you could have mixed. My my kid is mixed, you know, and uh, so you could have that. But he seems, I guess, it doesn't matter. You know, he was old when she was born, I guess. But but anyways, J.K. Simmons, I, I think he's he's great. So um, I hope he's great. I haven't heard I haven't heard anything bad about him. I don't want to hear anything bad about him. So I hopefully that will work out because he had I think a three picture deal before. But I think this is going to have to be renegotiated because probably because it's HBO Max, it's not theatrical. I'm I'm assuming that's a di- so there's a difference in the payment and everything like that. So his three picture deal for movies, he was probably would have gotten paid a lot more than getting paid for this because there's probably like a way smaller budget. But we'll have who knows about that. Um, Aquaman two producer talked about Amber Heard, and you know so a lot of people are like justice for Johnny Depp and all that. I don't know what the deal is between them two. You know, you're hearing this, you're hearing that. And I know a lot of people bring up like, well, there was that recording of her saying stuff. But that's just like one instant. You know, are there any conversations where, you know, things look equally bad from his perspective or hers? You know, so it's like we don't know the whole story because it's he said, she said. And you got lots of, you know, people are saying like, oh, here's a picture from where she had like a bruise on her face. But then the next day or what, two days later, she was totally fine. How do I know that? You know, it's, I could I could post a picture of me from 
like 20 years ago and say, yeah, I just, uh, I drink some rejuvenating uh, fancy drink and now I look 20 years younger, you know, because I posted that doesn't mean it's true. But I'm sure there, there's other ways, you know, to, to f- get the facts and all that. But <laughs> this is the thing where it's like, separating art from whatever artists, I guess. And I don't know the whole facts and it's, 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 it sucks. I I hate when we're in this position where it's like, well, should we support this, this person, this entity, this thing or, or not, you know? And so I don't know, but um, basically the producer said, yeah, all the people going on online that, that wouldn't make any difference. You know, it's like, there was, there's never any chance that, you know, she was going to be recast. Or like James Wan, Jason Momoa, it wouldn't be Aquaman without Amber Heard as well. So it sounds like there was never any. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't know. It's it's. I feel like a lot of people feel super entitled. I have a Twitter account. I'm going to get this going. There's other people feel the same way. We're going to get this hashtag trending. And whether or not that was the driving force factor in release the Snyder Cut, I don't know. I just find it kind of annoying when, you know, like on Instagram, you know, Warner Brothers, like Scoob is coming out. And then you see the comments, release the starter codes, release the It's like, this is not the, the time and place. And, and plus the person running that Instagram account promoting the Scooby-Doo movie. It's not like, hey, gee, uh, Mr. Mrs. Weber, who's in charge, who's my bosses. Uh, these people are talking about a Justice League movie. Well, so maybe we should make that happen because instead of watching Scooby-Doo, <laughs> they want to, you get what I'm saying. So I don't, anyways, so we have that. Um, and similarly, I, I wonder if we're going to get another uproar because David Ayer is talking about Suicide Squad again. He, he mentioned... And I, I kind of feel bad for him because I, I think this is a little different. I, maybe it's the same, I, you know, because Zack Snyder, for all intents and purposes, you know, he had a right to say that, hey, Justice League wasn't my movie because it would, there was reshoots and they edited the blah, 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 whatever this. So David Ayer is saying that um, Suicide Squad wasn't his movie. They, they changed it. You know, that that wasn't a tone he set and and, and so forth. And he's he's I guess he's kind of like disowning the movie, saying that like no that 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 wasn't what I wanted to do. That wasn't the movie I made. And he has said, you know, Warner Brothers like we're not releasing an air cut. And I, I think from their perspective, they don't want to like open this can of worms because you know people are, are starting to go into uproar. And it's like every time people want something, they feel like they can you know get all these people, whether they're real people or bots or whatever. And you know, start getting a you know stuff trending, but he said it, it's not going to cost that much money. He, he, he you know, it's, it's not going to be like the 70, 80 million, whatever Justice League costs Zack Snyder. You know, he said it, it can be done real easy. You know, and I guess maybe because stuff is already finished. You know, it's it's probably maybe it's it's already done, and then they change things after. I don't know. And he also said he's like. There's just a handful of people who've seen the original cut. So he's like, if, if you hear, if anyone says that they've seen it, they haven't. Because, you know, it's just been, it's like such a small number. So it, it's too bad. I mean, I, I'm curious because I, I didn't hate Suicide Squad. I haven't watched it um, since the, the extended cut came out. Because I, you know, I thought that would hopefully make it a little better. And I, I'm not like, I, I'm kind of curious. Maybe, I don't know if I'll get around. Maybe if I'll try watching it before. I watch the Suicide Squad this week. I'm curious to see, you know, what the true vision is. Just like with uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, I was so tired of hearing about it. I kind of didn't want to see it, but I was curious. 
And, you know, I saw it. I don't plan on watching it again anytime soon at all. But, you know, I, I'm glad I got to see it. I'm glad his vision and the fans' wishes, whatever, it happened. But I just hope it, you know, there has to be a line. And what ha- it used to be in the back in the day, you'd, you'd do an online petition, which, you know, change.org. And even though I, I, it's like, I don't, that wasn't created to get a movie made. That was created to, like, help people in need and, you know, horrific situations or whatever. I th- whatever, something like that. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, oh, more DC. So apparently, uh, the Flash movie has a slight hiccup delay. A crew member was injured on the set, and I guess I had to do. So there's been some scenes of like whether it's it's Ben Affleck as Batman or a stunt double riding on a big uh, bat cycle. Apparently, a cameraman was behind him, like on a, a different motorcycle, like filming, cr- crashed into the back of it. And somehow ended up underneath it and was injured and was taken to hospital. I mean, they haven't really said any specifics like uh, on the, the the dude's condition, but that sucks. And um, man, that, that's so. I don't know how long that you know that's, that's going to affect things, but that shouldn't happen. I mean, you're you're running a camera, and and yeah, if you're running a camera on while you're riding a motorcycle to you know film that angle. It, it it you shouldn't get there shouldn't be a risk of injury like like that you shouldn't there shouldn't be a risk of like okay you're gonna film the bat cycle but just warning you might end up underneath it that's that shouldn't happen so uh, I I hope he is is doing well oh other Marvel I forget this James Gunn going back to Marvel uh, he he says that the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is going to be important to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Uh, he says that it is in canon. They're filming at the same time, and there's going to be like some stuff, information, stuff to learn there that is going to be important to the next to volume three. So, like I said, they're filming at the same time. It's going to be under 40 minutes. Uh, the holiday special is supposed to come out dis- on Disney Plus December 2022, so next year, and then volume three is supposed to come out May 5th, 2023. If you so, don't pa- don't pass on it. If, if you're like, oh, no one cares about that. Uh, Taika Watiti, this is not Marvel or DC. So he's been, you know, talking about, you know, he doing a Flash Gordon movie. You know, he, he loved Flash Gordon. He, you know, he wanted to kind of give it a, a shot, you know, put it, do something with it. Um, turns out that he's actually writing the script. He's working on it. And I, I it was originally going to be animated, but they're like, hey, let's do it live action now. And so I guess... That's moving forward a little bit, so that that's cool. Cool to hear. Sweet Tooth, uh, Netflix Sweet Tooth, uh, Jeff Jeff Lemire Sweet Tooth. Season two is official, so that is awesome. And it, it's always weird when you don't hear these. You know, sometimes you hear season two is happening right away, and when you don't hear, it's like oh crap. You know, after Jupiter's Legacy, I mean, I was worried. It's like okay, I'm you know yeah, I'm enjoying. It's like I. I know you could look at it as like, you know, I, I did enjoy Jupiter's Legacy, but I feel like, okay, I spent entire Saturday watching all eight episodes and now the show's done and not coming back. So it's it sucks. But you could look at it as like, well, I had eight hours or whatever of, of entertainment, but it's like, you know, you start getting invested in the characters and then, you know, it's all taken away. So uh, Sweet Tooth is coming back. So that is awesome. No date, you know, or anything like that. So 
We'll have to just stay tuned for that. As far as Amazon's Anansi Boys, Neil Gaiman's Anansi Boys, so I think I mentioned that last week, Delroy Lindo has been cast as Mr. Nancy, so obviously it's going to be different from uh, Star's American Gods. And, you know, Neil Gaiman wasn't really involved with that, so, you know, he's apparently more involved with Anansi Boys. So that'll be, be cool to hear. There was, uh, speaking of Zack Snyder earlier, a trailer for... Army of Thieves, uh, the prequel to Army of the Dead, came out. And, uh, I mean, it, it looks like a fine movie, but it didn't, like, get me super excited or anything like that. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I'll watch it. I'll talk about it. But, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> and uh, the last... No Munsters news this week. Uh, the last bit of news, Doctor Who news, uh, Jodie Whittaker and Chris... Chibnall, who's the showrunner, they it's been announced that they are both leaving Doctor Who in 2022. So there will be one more season and then I think like three more specials in uh, uh, 2022 or after the 22. So um, I I still haven't finished what what has been released. I don't even know. Has it only been a season and maybe some specials or something like that? I, I really like Jodie Whittaker. I, I think she's she's a great actress. I haven't loved this Doctor Who, and it has. I mean, I I I've voiced my thoughts on Doctor Who suddenly becoming the Doctor, suddenly becoming a woman. You know, I I think it's weird. He's been like alive for like thousands of over a thousand years, whatever. Almost has like a full regeneration cycle. Never once regenerated into a woman, and the fact that we have female Time Lords like Romana, it's like I would love to, to whatever happened to Romana. Uh, you know, from Tom, the Tom Baker years. So, and then suddenly, I, I, it just seems weird that you have an alien race where you clearly have male and female of the species. And I, cause I know you can say, well, they're time Lords, they're aliens. They can turn into whatever they want, you know, maybe, but does that mean, could he, could he regenerate into a dog or, you know, something, a, a zebra? I don't know. So I just feel like because it's been established, there are male and female that there is, I guess the gender is is more f- fluid, if if you want to say that. I don't know. Anyways, so regardless of that, you know, I I'm wasn't gonna like boycott it or anything just because they they did that. I didn't agree with it, but I was still gonna watch it because of her. I started watching it and it I I feel it's unfair to her because I, I I think it's just the writing that has made it feel different. And, you know, part of it, like I, and again, I've, I've said this before, it's like when she's, instead of calling her companions companions, she's calling them her friends. And that was just like, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, cause I, I started watching, I had them on a DVR. I think they're all on HBO max. I just haven't gotten around to watching it because it just, it didn't feel like Dr. Who. And uh, I don't know. So what's, what are they going to do next? I, I'm, I'm wondering. And because it's, it's really too bad, and I like I said, I'd be open to her seeing, uh, you know, Jodie Whittaker as a doctor, but it's just it feels like it just, the writing just wasn't there. It didn't feel like Doctor Who, regardless. Because I, I will admit, okay, yeah, it kind of doesn't matter if the Doctor is a male or female. You know, you have this alien in a time machine going through time with some other people and trying to save other people or lives or planets or or time. So, you know, it doesn't matter who the main character is, you know, because each persona, each generation has been has had a different personality. And that's been like the fun of the series is getting used to this new persona 
new, 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 new doctor and seeing what they could do. So yeah, that was the ultimate change, well, not the ultimate change, but I, uh, whatever. So we'll, we'll have to see how this goes. And I, some, I would love to go back and or I, I do plan on watching them, but we'll, we'll see if that happens. But that is going to be the news for the week. No monsters news. I'm, I'm a little bummed by that. Okay, as far as comic books from Image, we had Department of Truth, issue 11. What I liked about uh, this, I think this is like the second issue, where, you know, we, we kind of got the current story. I mean, it's it's continuing um, from, obviously, you know, from the previous one. But this this part, this story has been dealing with Bigfoot, with this, with uh, Sasquatch, and and. I think that's cool. You know, it's it's been really interesting to see the story about this guy and, and everything. And a lot of the the comic has been told like as this guy's writing a letter to his son, and and you kind of get his whole his whole like life history about how he you know first started like the hunt, you know, because his dad was really into it, and just the unfortunate things and how it affected things, and how he you know became into it, and then the, the effects on his marriage, and you know, he, so he's writing this letter to his kid. I don't know if I, I said that who he was writing it to. Um, my only problem with this is the, so there's a lot to read, which is fine. Cause you know, that adds to the length of the comic and your enjoyment and, you know, more bang for your buck or whatever. But because it was supposed to be a letter, it was like the font was like supposed to be some, someone's handwriting. So it wasn't the clearest writing to read clearest font. And then it was made a little worse because the, the, the pages, the quote unquote pages were kind of like dirty and like smudged and there's like some drawings and parts of it and everything like that. So there are some parts where it was kind of hard to read. And and that just kind of bothered me, you know, and maybe it would be different reading a physical. I, you know, read it digitally. And so maybe like having like the physical copy would be different. But that's that's my only complaint. Otherwise, uh, the story was um, really interesting. And, uh, you know, with with the the closure and, you know, the closure to the story and, and everything like that. And so it's just like, whoa. OK, so uh, it, it's a great series. And. Um, it's it's crazy that we're on issue eleven already because it, it yeah it doesn't feel like it's it's been that long so you should definitely be reading this. Um, what I did not read Jules Verne's Lighthouse number four so this is a five issue series so I, I talked about the first couple but um, you can check that out. Old Guards uh, Tales Through Time issue four so I'm I'm okay with this series. Um, what I did like the sort of first uh, story was by Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber. So that that was a, a cool story. If I never would have read it, I don't know if it would necessarily take away from my enjoyment of Old Guard, you know, in future story arcs or whatever. But you know, so and, and at the thing, the second one's by David Walker um, with Matthew Clark doing the art. Basically, you know, you you it, we're just getting these little tidbits on their lives throughout history because they are immortal and everything like that. So there's there's some you know interesting things here and everything, but. I don't know. I feel like it hasn't been like crucial. Like, you know, you got to read this. And so it's just a matter of like, if you're a fan of the comic of the characters and you want more, you know, you're going to be reading this. So yeah, that, that's just how I look at it. Uh, Scumbag issue nine came out. I I'm somehow behind. I, th- I can't remember the last issue I read about this and I really want to read this and enjoy it because I, I love Rick met Remender. But it's just the fact that the, the lead character is so... He is a scumbag. You know, it, and that's a point. 
So I don't know, maybe I just need to be more open-minded and, and just, you know, suck it up and start reading. Um, that Texas Blood Issue 8 came out. That's another series that I need to get caught up on that I want to get caught up on because I, I enjoyed the, the, the beginning of that. Um, and then Vinyl Issue 2, this is just like a, a weird comic. So I, I talked about the first one and, and it's dealing with this serial killer who when he kills, he, he's got music on and he has like this teddy bear like mask on and everything like that. And uh, this sort of this agent guy who's kind of been like meeting with him and, you know, trying to trap him or whatever he gets taken. And there's like this organization going on and, and it's just, it's, it's kind of like a bizarre story. And, you know, they're, you know, he's working with these other killers or whatever. And yeah, so just, it is something a, a little different. Oh, <laughs> I almost forgot skybound X issue four. I think there's only one more issue of this after, after whatever. You know, it does have uh, another uh, chapter of Rick Grimes 2000. I'm enjoying it. It it does. It seems like it's a bit much. It's getting a little extreme. That it's supposed to be like that. You know, the, the fact that we have aliens and um, kind of lightsabers and stuff like that. So it's just it's really weird. It, it, it's such a departure. But um, the fact that you know it's Kirkman and and Ryan Otley. Uh, and Cliff Rathburn, you know, inking it and everything like that. Dave McCaig doing the colors. So it's it is it's just bizarre. It's just so unexpected. But that's that's the point of it, I guess. Then there is this uh, story, um, Excellence. Um, it's uh, by Brandon Thomas and, and Kari Randolph. This is I, I think setting up a, a new series, and you know we we have like some kids, and they're talking about like all these different kind of like magicians or whatever these like people throughout history, like who's the best and. So I feel like it's it's just kind of filling us in like on the history of all these like important characters and whatever. It just it felt weird because I had no connection to it. It's like I don't know who all it's like here's this person, here's this person and it's just kind of listing them and and then I'm like like losing track of who's who and and everything like that. So it, that that was a little weird. So uh, I I don't know when when we're, we'll see more of that. And then there's um Sea Serpent's Air um that one, I, I, I don't know. It, it didn't really grab me so much. And then there is a redneck story. Uh, this is by Donny Cates and uh, Lissandro Estherin. I haven't read Redneck. So, you know, I, I was reading through this. It's supposed to be like a kind of like a lost story or a tale during the 80s. And um, it was kind of interesting. But because I don't have a connection to the, the characters here, again, it was, it was another situation where it's like, okay, I'm reading this, but... I don't really know what's going on or, you know, it's, it's, yeah. So it was just like, okay, so we, we have that. Yeah. So if you care about any characters or creators, then, you know, obviously you should be checking that out. And like I said, I think there's one more left at boom studios. We had berserker issue four and you know, we're, we're getting more on the history of berserker. So, you know, when he, first came about you know with all his powers you know and you know praying to the gods or whatever and all this stuff like that and then just um more on how his dad is kind of using him you know to take on like other tribes and, and stuff like that and um yeah so we get the kind of conclusion of that it just makes you wonder is there more to the story than that because um it, it says like that the synopsis is like what secret in berserkers past holds a key to his immortality. So I don't know if there's anything re really there. 
The last piece of B's tragic origin and the fate of his parents are revealed as Diana, so she's like this doctor, whatever, um, continues unearthing his memories, prompting a new mission in the present day. Mm, okay. Um, will this one unlock the mystery of that is his existence, or will B be cursed to wander to Earth forever? Because basically, you know, the, the, so this whoever's got him, you know, they're, they're trying to figure him out, and, you know, obviously they, they want to kind of weaponize him or whatever, and so, you know, trying to understand how is he immortal? How does he heal and come back and, you know, all, all this like that. But I, I just wonder if, if there's more to a story than there seems. But I don't know. Then there is a Something is Killing the Children, issue 18. So this is going, this is still continuing kind of like the the flashback, the, the origin about Erica, sort of the main character, main hunter, whatever, when she was first taken to the house of slaughter, and it, it, I, I, I kind of like this. I, I kind of wonder. I, I, I actually, I, I, well, I'm asking myself. I don't know if I would have liked this or preferred this story arc before. It was cool to see how we're just thrown into the story. We've as we see little by little who she is and how she can take on these monsters and what you know what her job and mission and, and so forth. So I don't know. I mean, who am I to argue with? <laughs> the way they have it mapped out so it is cool to go back and like see her origin now see her as a kid when she first was exposed to these you know her first encounter with the monster or first taken there and her totem and, and all that so it's um i i really i think it's it's a it's a cool story and um this is definitely a series that you should be reading and you know i highly highly recommend that you know you, you should be checking this out if you haven't been already so this is james tynan it's, it's just it's really really good story okay then at dc so hopefully this is everything i'm now that the, the dc app is no longer working i'm back to uh, i'm reading the dc comics on the comiXology app and i feel like sometimes i miss something i don't know so detective comics uh, 1040 this is continuing the story bruce wayne basically turns himself in you know he he's wanted for murder and it's just crazy he's like yeah i was arrested at the other precinct it blew up i'm turning myself in and they're like oh he's he hasn't been released yet and, and stuff like that so just this whole dude that's after him and the fact that he blew up the police station and nothing's being done he's working with penguin um i forget the, the guy's name and I, I, so part of it also is just the fact that all these there's all these complications for Batman and Bruce Wayne that it's I, I'm it's making me not angry but kind of angry whatever but that's that's the point of it this vile character is is still out there and I I just I don't like vile either but again that's that's the point there was also there was a, a huntress issue. What was it called? I'm trying to Batman Secret Files Huntress issue one. What was interesting, I, I think I think I read that before Detective. So there's a, a tiny bit of overlap. I think it's I think it's better reading uh, Huntress first because you, you find out about her when she was infected and, and you know taken to you know like a secret hospital and, and cured and and trying to you know find out you know she, there's still so now she's she's kind of cured of the the whatever you want to call it. The connection to vile but she still kind of has this this connection and you know she's so she's trying to you know obviously stop him and and so forth and then in detective comics there's like mention of her and and so forth so it was i this is what i like when they do this overlap to something that we have like almost too much overlap in in war of the bounty hunters but i think it was just the right amount here 
Action Comics 1033. This is continuing these aliens that came from War World and, you know, with their chains and everything like that. And then Atlantis, they basically took the power source of the ship and they're claiming it as theirs, but other people are like, you know, you can't have this and and everything like that. So there's a lot of tension between like the U.S. government and Atlantis and, you know, because they're saying it, it, it'll be an act of war if anyone tries doing, you know, tries taking it and stuff like that. And But it's just like, it, okay, I, I don't know. It, it fell in their territory, so it's theirs, but it'd be like, I mean, I, I'm trying to look at it like if, uh, let's use Russia as an example. If a Russian space, experimental spacecraft lands in the United States, can we just claim it as ours? Even though, you know, there's like a serial number or whatever, and we know it's not ours. And we're just like, oh, it's too bad. It landed on our property. And I guess the same thing, like if a neighbor throws a Frisbee into your yard, does that mean it's yours? Because it's, I mean, uh, it's just a bit extreme. But we, we have all that, so... And then the, the one uh, alien that they're, they're talking to is like Lois, you know, she's at the fortress and Lois is like helping her. She's like, here's this little like uh, toy thing that, that my husband made for our child. And she's like, she's like, it's delicate. So be careful. And she like knocks it out of her hand and it breaks. And she's like, you think I'm a child? She's like, no, dude. She's just, it's like simple. It's just so rude. Whatever. Um, I think Wonder Woman came out this week. I didn't read that. I'm, I'm, I'm way awaiting for this arc whatever to end so we can get back to where wonder woman should be batman superman issue 20 came out i just have such a hard time with this you know it's it's gene luen yang which i i like his writing ivan rice awesome art but just the story it's the story arc is i just don't want to read it right now so maybe this is something you know it's it's sad that the series is ending uh, but I'm, I'm sure I'm going to go back and I'll read this at some point. But I feel like, because I mentioned this before, when I have so many comics to read, it's like it becomes a chore. It's like I'm trying to get through all these comics as fast as I can so I you know, can prepare for the podcast and so forth. So it'd be different if I'm just you know just reading them for for my leisure, then I, I can read it whenever I want. So at some point, I'll I'll, I'll do that and, and go back and, fi- and finish that because I'm curious to, to see how it ends. Strange Adventures issue eleven, great art. I love the art. You know, Mitch Mitch Gerards and uh, Evan Doc, Doc Shanner, great job. Story, I I'm just I don't know. I'm just okay with the story, and uh, there's a lot of character tear down here which is something that tom king is doing a lot and i know i kind of went off my tom king rant last week so i'm not gonna go back to that uh for for me with this character uh i've never i haven't been like the biggest adam strange fan so it's not really affecting me that much i mean i don't know what what a hardcore adam strange fan would think about the way these characters are being portrayed here and yet you know it is taking them to a, a it's kind of elevating them in a way you know make them a little more mature more realistic or whatever but it's just you know lines are being crossed here and you know you, you it gets uncomfortable when when adam and alana are just having this like argument and everything like that and you know because it's like you're looking at this married married couple you know arguing about you know, just just horrific thing because she's like you know she's asking him is like is our daughter alive is is you know is her death has it been faked and you're just using this and you know she wants to know what what the truth is and so adam strange is a jerk 
Um, Harley Quinn issue five came out. This is another series I want to read this, but I think for me, when I when I open the comic up, it looks like it's it's one of the, like the animated series, you know, adaptation. Which nothing against those comics, so some of them are, are pretty cool. But it always seems like that they're kind of geared towards kids, and I'm sh- I would imagine I don't even know what the what's the age on this twelve plus. It's you know this is not for kids you know because it, it does get violent but because of the the art style it just again it's it's hard for me to, to get into it and if I I don't know if there's supposed to be some sort of continuity or if it's its own separate thing and it just makes it kind of kind of weird for me. Um, Teen Titans Academy issue five, so we find out more about the the Bat Pack is that what they're called? So Brat Girl, uh, Chupacabra, and Mega Bat. These are characters where I feel like I don't know when we first when they first appeared, and I should have looked that up because I feel like when this series started, or you know, the Teen Titans Academy, and and they were there, I feel like that they've appeared elsewhere, and and they may have. So when I'm looking at, I was like, who are these guys? And you know, they have such attitude and everything like, oh, they're they're cool, they're edgy, they're bad, or whatever. But you know, seeing their story told i actually i kind of see them in a new light now and i kind of appreciate them for who they are and everything so i thought that was kind of cool and then um you look at the cover it's like oh who is this red x that's the big mystery and you see red x has his mask off so he spoiler he does take his mask off we do not see who it is but they do so that he's he's like all right i'll tell you i'll share my secret with you so we'll see about that um, Robin issue four came out. This is this is a, a just a fun series, um, you know, continuing with the tournament and everything like that. And you know, Damien, after his encounter with with uh, Connor and everything like that, uh, he ends up like on an adjacent island with with uh, Rachel Ghoul. and he's like he you know, he's determined to get back. And um, the tournament is officially about to begin. You know, it hasn't really started yet, but I'm I'm, I'm enjoying this. You know, and I I love that that ravager that, that rose is, is here as well so i don't know where this is going to go but um I, i'm in, enjoying that infinite frontier issue three so we have more about like the stuff going on more but um uh, but the alan scott and <laughs> i don't want to keep on say alan grant alan scott and uh with obsidian with what happened you know what happened to jade and uh, more with Roy, and you know, because he's out in space, and you know, trying to figure out he's got this black lantern ring and everything like that. And uh, so it's um, I, I this this is a fun book, you know. There's what's going on with what happened to Barry Allen, and it's the, the only weird thing is that this is really focusing on the fact that the populace knows about the multiverse, and I think I I, I totally get how that would be like a freaky thing if all of a sudden you know that there's like you know, infinite or multiple versions of yourself. But, you know, that that's one thing. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I can accept that somehow. But the, the fact that they may venture over into this reality, that's where things might get a little concerning because then, you know, you might go home, there's your family or whatever. Is that really your your spouse or your kids or your dog? You know, is this a alternate earth version of my dog? Is he going to bite me? whatever so uh, you, you have stuff like like that and there's um oh and there's all the stuff with the captain adam and uh, i i don't like, this is another one where i don't know where it's going but it, it's um 
it's 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 fun to see um static issue two came out i feel like issue one came out a while ago and i don't know really what's going on here i don't know when this is taking place because you know i feel like he just got his powers kind of recently but then hot streak knows that he has powers and it attacks him like on his lawn and burns his you know sets his house on fire and and you know, people are like, oh, so then I think his parents see him and I don't know if they knew that he had powers before. So I feel like I don't know where this fits in with like previous comics, you know, like how many adventures or whatever, what's been established before. And, and now has he had his powers for a week, for a month, a year? I, I don't really know all, all these these questions because I wasn't reading, uh, you know, I, I'll admit that, you know, I, I didn't really read the milestone comics, you know, just, just here and there. I think I, I, you know, pick some up now every now and then. So we have that. Um, I just realized now I kind of rocket issue one came out. I did not read that. So I need to check that out and see what's going on with that. Cause that's, um, issue one, season one, issue one, um, Batman reptilian issue two came out. It, it feels like this is more than two. But we have, you know, there is something hunting down the villains in, in Gotham and, like, tearing them apart. But it's almost like it's kind of like taking a bite, like a taste out of them and leaving them. Because, you know, they're surviving. Most people are, are surviving. But it's, like, no idea what's going on. And I remember when this was announced. I remember posting an article about this on entertainmentfish.com. And I, I read that press release so many times because I wasn't sure, is this supposed to be Killer Croc? Like, an amped-up Killer Croc? But now it and reading a little more, then I was like, wait, maybe this isn't Killer Croc, you know. So when I posted my my article, I I, I should go back and edit it or do something. But I feel like you know I was kind of saying like, oh, this is gonna be a Killer Croc story, a Savage Killer Croc, you know, Black Label, but it's something worse than Killer Croc, and you know we're we're seeing more about that. And Liam Sharp's art here is just it's just phenomenal, and you know I I think I've said it before, just how his style just like changes and everything like that. So it's, it's really you know fascinating to see checkmate issue two came out. There's a one big revelation. Was it this issue? I feel like I'm trying to remember when I read this where someone, now I'm losing track of it again, where I, I think it's revealed. Maybe it was another issue where it was revealed that someone had a, a sibling. I, Cause I feel like I talked about that. I'm having deja vu here. So we, we have more about Checkmate and you know more about Talia and the Manhunter dude, Leviathan and um but I I don't know. It's just part of it it feels like this isn't happening in conjunction with the rest of the DC continuity. You know, it's like when is this taking place? You know, because you have Lois here. This Lois feels so totally different than the Lois in action comics. And so it's like I don't know where where this is all going. I don't know. Uh Wonder Woman Black and Gold issue two came out. I did not check that out. Um I don't even know who worked worked on, on this this issue. But um yeah, I didn't read that. So um, but then uh, the last one at DC, Superman's Son of Kal-El, issue one. This is Tom Taylor and John Timms. Amazing book all around. You know, it's gorgeous art, really good story. Not a whole lot happens. You know, I mean, it is kind of setting things up, but that's not a bad thing because, you know, it's, it's really establishing, you know, who John Kent is as, you know, as this next Superman or anything like that. 
And, you know, it is nice to see the Superman because, you know, I, I, it does feel like this, this is the kind of Superman series that we need now. Cause you know, he's, he's younger, you know, there is that, that hope and, you know, he's got that energy, you know, he wants to, you know, be a hero and everything like that. So there's a lot of, a lot of goodness, a lot of heart here in the, the series, and you know, and there is some you know interaction with you know Damien, you know, and and it it doesn't just like pull Damien. It's like wait, Damien's supposed to be in this tournament. They acknowledge that and everything like this. You know, this little conversation that, that takes place. So it, it's it's just it, you know it, it's a, a nice comic all around and everything like that. And um, it's it's a it's a good start and just like fills you in on, on what's going on. But it, it doesn't just like straight up throw you into action. I mean, there is some action. Don't get me wrong. It does. Well, it does throw you into some action. There's some 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 big things happening here. Yeah, so it, it's I, I definitely think it's it's worth worth checking out. At Marvel, we had Amazing Spider-Man seventy-one. So this is continuing the Sinister War. So there's more on Mysterio and Mary Jane. You know they're they're being hunted, and uh, we we get some some tidbits, some some background stuff like about when Mysterio died, how did he die and come back, and you know stuff like that. And then there's, there's I'm still I I'm still confused about the whole Kindred stuff because you know Harry because uh, uh what's her name now Carrie oh why am I drawing a blank on her she dated Spider she's a CSI I'm totally blanking on her name because she was kidnapped you know she came up with she came across something so she's in in a cell with Harry Osborn but Kindred is out there and Kindred's supposed to be Harry Osborn so I'm I, I feel like I've missed something. It's like, how can, what is going on? And it better not be a clone. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, Avengers Mech Strike issue five. Was that this week? I don't know why it feels like I, I read this so long ago. I guess it was this, this is the last issue. No way. I, I, I'm totally, I feel like I've, I've talked about this on a podcast already. <laughs> it's like my doing two podcasts. And I just totally forgot about it. So this, this wraps up the story <laughs> and it was, it was fine. Uh, you know, seeing King and all these these mechs, and the way it wraps up, it's like, yeah, maybe this isn't continuity. Um, Better Ray Bill issue five came out, and um, okay, so it wraps up the story, um, everything like that. So you know, Better Ray Bill, he lost his hammer, he lost Stormbreaker, so he's like, well, I need a new weapon. I'm gonna go steal Searcher's sword. So, you know, it's, it's big Better Ray Bill versus Searcher. Will Better Ray Bill be able to turn into his humanoid form or is he stuck as a horse person forever? You find that out here. Black Hat issue eight. Black Hat is, uh, she's on, on, on the prowl. So you look at the cover. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm trying to stall here, to be perfectly honest. I'm like, wait a minute. What is, what is she actually doing? Okay, I got it now. So she's um, going to break into this place, steal some stuff. And there's like this container is like totally booby trapped and everything like that. And, you know, she's trying to trying to get what's inside. And then it turns out there is an alarm. Um, and, there's, you know, I, I think I mentioned booby traps. Nick Fury Jr. shows up. And so what is he trying to protect and uh, and stuff like that? And then we find out like what? OK, what is this this big thing she stole? And uh I don't want to give it away, but I'll just say, you know, it's not a thing. It's a person. So it's like, wait, how long is that person? When did that person get put in there? Because this is something that, that I feel like I'm saying too much, but it is tied to the infinity stones, as you can see on the cover, but it's just, um, 
I, I, I love the series. I, let me say that. Doing a horrible job explaining it. But uh, Jed, I love Jed McKay's Black Cat. I will say that every single time there's a Black Cat comic, you should go back, read all of his. Because this is like the second volume, which I, I wish they would have just continued it. So you should read both of them because they're, they're really good. Another comic that's really good, Black Widow, issue 9. I love this series. Um, the, the, Kelly Thompson got a Eisner for this. Well-deserved. That whole team, kick-ass creative team on this book i love that we have black widow and yelena working together we have uh, aranya um uh, anna anya um working here and um that this there's it's continuing the the seeds from or the thread from the, the first story arc which was you know something really bad happened to black widow and you know i don't want to spoil that i'm sure i already talked about it but i like that there's you know callbacks to that and um, this is just, you know, it's it's a great, great, great writing and great art and great characters. So um, I, I, I hope this continues. Let's just keep this going. Marvel has a tendency to, you know, books go and then they end. And because, uh, you know, if you look at all, all of these, though surprisingly, you know, Spider-Man's at 71, even though, you know, if you, you don't count the legacy numbers. But speaking of books ending, Cable, issue 12, final issue. So basically, this concludes the Cable versus Strife storyline, and um, basically, spoilers. It's it's putting, it's bringing back old Cable, and uh, dealing with young Cable, as you know, you can see on the cover that we have a uh, old Cable on the cover there. So it, it, um, there is there is a tiny revelations and stuff like that, but it's it's just it's weird, just like when um. The the young X Men original X Men were in Brian Michael Bendis's X Men run when they were brought to the, the present and then you know you really like these characters and it's like well we can't have these characters here and that you know that makes sense if if they are supposed to be in the main timeline which that's totally breaking all the the time travel rules in Marvel universe but it makes sense that at some point they need to go back so same thing here and and we have Cable back as he should be you know old Cable should be an old dude older dude. That's just who he is. So the young Cable, while it's been, you know, I, he started, he did grow on me at first. I was like, I don't like this, this kid, but um, it, it was good to see him. Uh, Daredevil issue thirty-two. I've been loving this series. Chip Zdarsky is just doing such a great job, and uh, make things worse. We have Bullseye. I do not like Bullseye, but that's the point of his character. So he's he's the whole city's like in a state of panic because he's just out there randomly sh like shooting and killing people and people are like where is he they, they can't find him and you know so lecture's like well i need to go out you know when you know it's bullseye you know i, I gotta deal with him and like she runs into like spider-man because you know he's like out there like looking for him and, and stuff like that and and uh you know there is uh she does uh she does come across bullseye and we'll just leave it that i won't say anything more about that and uh, there's more stuff with Daredevil in the prison and with like the shady warden and, you know, him dealing with that stuff. So this is, I just love the series. It's like so good. Eternals issue six. So I, I feel like I, in the last few issues, I've been kind of like losing something. And it could be a matter of, you know, me not having a huge um, pool of knowledge of the Eternals. And, you know, maybe I overlook something, you know, maybe I... As I'm trying to read everything, maybe I kind of skimmed a page or a panel or issue or something like that. 
but you know there, there's more on them trying to figure out what's going on because you know these eternals can't die you know they're they're kind of resurrected there's this like machine thing that you know brings them back and everything like that but the person in charge of running the machine was killed so it's like you know they're scrambling to get all this sorted and then thanos is, was brought into the mix which you know make things it makes it even messier and everything like that but there's a big revelation uh, if i read it correctly there's a revelation about how what it means when the eternals are brought back like what is the cost of them coming back getting resurrected whatever you want to call it and it's just like yikes that's uh that's not a good thing so uh, i'll leave it at that and maybe the next issue I'll, i'll spoil it whatever um fantastic 434 this is a conclusion of the sacred vow of victor von doom where uh Doctor Doom, you know, he's going to get married to Victorious, his the super-powered, whatever you want to call her, that, that he, you know, created and gave her powers. But he finds out that um, she and Johnny Storm hooked up, and he is not happy because Doctor Doom is all about his, his inflated male ego, and he's attacking everyone, and he doesn't care. He's like, no one can know about this, and he's, like, willing to kill, uh, you know, all the... the uh, citizens that are there in attendance and saying that you know he'll just come up with a story that they were attacked and you know all his guests were killed unfortunately and so it's just like uh, dr doom is just a big baby and the, the the question is could this have been a change for dr you know, he asked reed richards to be his best man you know what was this really going to be a chance for him to turn over a new leaf you know we don't know he does kind of get his revenge you know he he doesn't kill johnny but he he does something to him that um they're gonna have to figure out because he he is affected by this then we have um sword issue seven i'm just i'm not super digging this um it's 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 because it's the cosmic stuff i for some reason i have i have a hard time with the Marvel Cosmic Comics. I don't know what it is. It's it's always been like this annihilation stuff. I know a lot of people loved it. I just I have such a hard time and I don't know. It doesn't matter, you know, the characters involved, the characters I love, there's something about it. I don't know. Maybe if it's not like Ron Lim drawing it, it's hard for me to get into cosmic stuff. I, I don't know. But there is more, you know, going on here with uh you know the, the fights and uh with sword coming in. We find some stuff out about um Abigail Brand brand what that's her name right yeah she's like manipulating some things which i get why she's doing it but it's just like yikes and uh there was an interesting um dinner between storm and and dr doom and everything like that with some of the callbacks to like when that what uncanny x-men i don't think it's 141 uh it's like 148 i think it's somewhere around there and then and then he's like yeah that was a you know doom bot overstepped its bounds or whatever and and you know he's talking about the mysterium that you know she's they're they're being risky with what they're doing and you know with its origins and and stuff like that so yeah we have all that but the annihilation stuff i'm just shang chi issue three so um shang chi versus marvel universe that's what they're calling this story arc right wolverine's here uh, so basically, they're going after one of their siblings. You know, so Shang Chi is taking over his father's organization, and there's a lot of bad um, 
you know, they have a bad reputation. His dad wasn't a good guy. And so he's working with his two siblings and they're going to have to go after another one. But it turns out, spoiler, she's actually a mutant. So Wolverine steps in and it's like, dude, it's like, this is family business. He's like, no, it's mutant stuff. And so there's a fight that, that goes on because of that. Um, then Star Wars issue 15. So this uh, Luke Skywalker is going out and um, I, I feel like there wasn't a whole lot of so you know they're they're billing this is being billed as one of the war of the bounty hunters but it didn't feel like that there was a whole lot of 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 that and then we had a star wars high republic issue seven and you know this is a series i want to get into the, the series but Maybe I, I need to like switch my reading order because you know I tend to read the Marvel books in alphabetical order. So by the time I got here, it's like you know because I I usually read I read DC and Image first, um, and then like boom. So just like it kind of it, it it's a mix between between those, and then I tend to read Marvel um, at the end. So at the end of reading all the comics, you know it's kind of like the the order. It's almost an order that I do. Sometimes I'll read some DC stuff before Image, depending on when I get access and, and all that, when I get my books. So by the time I get here, it's it's just hard. And, you know, I I want to get into these characters because, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated with this different era of Star Wars, but there's still a lot of characters that are new. So even though we're at issue seven, I don't know a lot of these characters and I don't feel an attachment to them, but I want to. And I know... That may sound like a silly thing. It's just like, dude, just sit down and read this, the books and stop complaining about it. I'm not really. I hope I'm not complaining, but so I'm I'm, I'm reading it and I'm, I'm trying to to figure out like what's going on and um, I you know because I, I the, the characters you know they do look neat you know we see this other character which I think is a new character and um, so we'll, we'll see where it goes but um, this could be because um, the the first story arc there's like when they're on that planet with like the farm planet you know there's some things that I wasn't super crazy about but uh, again mentioning the Night Hill um, characters so I'm I'm interested with those from the books so we'll see where that goes Symbiote Spider Man um, Crossroads this it's so it's Peter David writing great Greg Land art and you know so we have have more. Uh, adventures you know what, what's going on here spider-man's doing spider-man things and you know, there, there's like a, a nice uh interaction with like j jonah jameson you know stuff that, that happens there and um it, it's now it's still at the point because when the symbiote spider-man series the first series it's like okay this is taking place between issues amazing spider-man 252 to 258 so it's like kind of like untold adventures of spider-man wearing the symbiote costume but then the is this the third volume because the second one it got all freaky with like the magic the you know alternate dimension and i was just like wait what's going on here and then spider-man meeting rocket raccoon and i was just like is this in continuity or not so the same thing here it's it's like i'm trying to see i don't know where we're at with uh, with all this it kind of feels like it's in continuity because then um if you look at the synopsis or whatever it mentions like when the hulk was banished to that crossroads dimension so this uh, this is why it's called crossroads so it's gonna have something to do with that so does that mean it is in continuity because i'm trying to i'm pretty sure i think those are around the same time when when, when that happened so that that's my problem with, with this uh, mighty valkyries issue four 
this is just okay. You know, I, I don't know what my problem is, you know, cause I, I, I really like Jane Foster, you know, I want to see more, but it's hard for me to get into these stories and I feel like I'm not supporting it and I don't want the book to end. Up. It's not like, okay, Tony is not talking about it. So we're going to end the series, but I, I, I don't know what it is. There is a nice interaction with this other Valkyrie and Thor about that. What's the ax called? Um, I forget what it, what it is. It's on the cover. Um, does it, they mention it? Um, it's not because I, I got Stormbreaker in my head. It's not that it's B, B I jam, 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 some of the J. I don't know. I'm embarrassing myself now, but yeah, you have that. And then there's the United States of Captain America issue two. And again, this feels like I feel like there's been more than one issue of this. So they they go off, and there's this other person who's dressed as Captain America getting into some trouble because you know, uh, someone has taken has stolen the shield and we do find out what's up with that so that, that there we, there's that but uh steve and sam both dressed as captain america they're going to try to you know help this woman this young woman who has been arrested for for not a good reason and, and stuff like that because uh people are killing you know the these this fake cap is killing these other Captain Americas. So, you know, that, that's their concern and everything like that. But I don't know how I feel about this series. And then uh, we have Wolverine issue 14. So this is continuing from um, the Hellfire Gala where the the Marauder, the ship was attacked and Emma, Emma Stone, Emma Frost. <laughs> um, I didn't mention Emma Stone in news, I don't think, uh, about the lawsuit that, you know, whether she can has reason to sue over Cruella streaming and anyways um Emma Frost's brother was killed and you know the cargo the stuff that they got from the Shi'ar was stolen and so Wolverine's on the case and it turns out it's one of the what are they called the 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 people from that other dimension planet from the Sword of Ten Aquilo I don't know why I I'm I'm actually I haven't had lunch <laughs> I was like I can eat lunch or I could do the podcast, but I was like, I need to get this podcast recorded, so I didn't eat lunch. Um, that's my excuse. But uh, so yeah, he he tracks down person involved and trying to get more information and stuff like that. So it, it I, I I like this issue. Um, there are some some cool you know Wolverine moments in here. It just seems like a weird series. I feel like it's kind of going all over the place, and I think that's the problem with all of these X-Men books where, you know, sometimes Wolverine does his own story, but then he's like pulling, you know, this is continuing from the Hellfire Gala and, and the fallout from that. So it's just kind of weird that way. But, you know, I, I did, did like this and, you know, Adam Kubert, Ben, Ben Piercy. So how can you complain about that? So really good. Cool, cool, cool fights and, and moments and stuff. And that coolness is going to be the cool comics for the week okay rick and morty season five episode six rick and morty's thanks exploitation spectacular this was a this was a fine episode it, it was it was fun um it's it was weird because it's like a thanksgiving episode when it's not thanksgiving but that's just the way it works so it starts off rick and morty they enter this like highly secure museum and, you know, like, Rick sends, like, little remotes through the portal first to take out, like, these security lasers and stuff like that. They're basically going to steal the Constitution because there's just a map on the back. And Morty's concerned 
about returning it when it's finished. And Rick's like, why? He Rick uses this laser to like slice open this vault door. And then he gives like the laser cutter to Morty to hold it while he breaks the hermetic seal on, on the, the case surrounding the, the pages of the Constitution or whatever. And Morty's like, why don't you just use this laser device again? He fires it and it blasts a hole through the case, through most of the Constitution, through the wall behind it, through the Lincoln Memorial head, through the Liberty Bell, this other building, and hits the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> and in the Statue of Liberty, its outer shell like cracks off and it reveals like this robot Amazon with like a shield and a sword. And then she, you know, gets off like the pedestal and starts like walking towards them or something like that. Rick yells at, at Morty for destroying the map and activating the hidden assassin in the statue, whatever. He's like, it was a Trojan horse. Never trust a French. I don't get what, you know, whatever. Maybe the assassin wasn't heading towards him. Maybe he was just going to attack the city or whatever. And he says that, you know, the government's going to be pissed again, whatever. And he's like, and on America's birthday or whatever the bleep Thanksgiving is. So they open a portal so they can leave. Then at the house, there's a, a bunch of soldiers with tanks and helicopters outside or whatever. And, you know, um, they surround the house with this anti-portal shimmer. Rick is talking to the president on the phone because, you know, they hate each other, whatever. And, you know, he tells him to, to keep basically keep the soldiers off his lawn or whatever. The president calls him a terrorist. Rick's like, you keep using that word and it's lost its meaning. And Summer's like, oh, why don't you just bleep and get it over with? Because, you know, they, all they do is argue. Rick plans on uh, basically turning himself into turkey to get a presidential um, turkey pardon. And Jerry's like, again? And because and, I guess he's done this before. And he's like, he's probably going to see it coming. And Rick's like, in the past, he's brainwashed a turkey delivery guy. And we see that um, the president is also making plans. At the sort of, they're like kind of on the same wavelength almost because he's saying that the basically the delivery guy has been euthanized and the turkey will be delivered via truck, like an autumn, whatever. And uh, then Rick says that the vehicles are being manufactured by a company that he controls, so they're both talking back and forth, or whatever. Uh, you know, and then there's a, these turkeys, you know, army marines, whatever, they won't recognize Rick, but the marines won't have human eyes, they'll have turkey eyes, so. The vice, you know, the vice president says to the president, he's like, "Why don't you just, you know, bleep and get over with?" You know, same same thing that Summer said. So then we see this soldier dude at a bar with his pregnant wife. He gets called in, even though it's, you know Thanksgiving, whatever. Other soldiers with pregnant wives are getting called in too. They're all kind of like redneck soldiers, I guess. And uh, you know, they they start uh, taking they they take these tracking tips, whatever tracking tracking chips. What did I say? They take these tracking chips. Have to swallow them, and they're saying this is gonna be important later, or whatever. And then they get turned into turkeys, turkeys with helmets and machine guns. And so they're checking out all the other turkeys because I guess they can tell if it's a turkey or not. So then uh, they have Rick and Morty robots are, are in the garage, you know, posing as them. They're in a turkey form in their ship. It goes into stealth mode, hovers over like the delivery truck or whatever. And it, you know, because they're going to land on top or whatever, come out. Two turkey soldiers get on the roof. There's a big turkey fight. So, you know, Rick takes them out and they, they take their places. So now Rick and Morty are posing as the turkey soldiers in with, with the other turkeys. At the house, the Rick and Morty robots are in the driveway. So they're like, we'll never surrender and all this stuff like that. So the president orders a David Blaine box on them. And then Jerry's complaining inside that, you know, while he's trying to make Thanksgiving dinner, that this is ruining his plans and everything, whatever. 
So then uh, the they capture Rick and Morty. The president says that confirms it. You know, he's like, no David Blaine box could hold Sanchez. And he's like, scan the turkeys, whatever. So they're tracking the or tracking sensors for the two soldiers is glitching. So the president's like, well, I'll deal with with them myself. So then he gets turned into a turkey too. He takes a chip and gets turned into a turkey. Turkey Rick figures are in home stretch now. Then he sees President Turkey enter. So he goes up to Rick and Rick tells him, he's like, just pardon me. And he's like, why? He's like, because if I move to Canada, then they'll be the best country. And the president says, he's like, I'm going to peck your eyes or whatever. So they get in a fight. During the, f- the fight, um, there's like a blow to their stomach to cause like the, the tracking chips to fly out into other turkeys. So the vice president comes in saying they just, oh, because he was talking to the president before at, uh, and they just lost New York to France. I guess because of the Statue of Liberty or whatever. And the, the president wasn't concerned about, about New York because he was focused on, on, on Rick. So he wants, the vice president wants to get the president out of there. Um, then the president, Turkey, notices that they didn't take him. In the lab, they put the subject's DNA into the turkey. So the president is now this like semi-mutated president with like turkey features. And then the, the president tells them that they have the wrong guy. But they think it's just a turkey goblin. They it's just like blah blah blah. So one soldier like kicks it back in with the other turkeys. So the rest of the turkeys are lowered where the unsaved turkeys go, and it's like a feeding chamber or whatever. There's a cloned spider of FDR <laughs> crabbing the turkeys and chomping on them. And uh, Morty's like, "Why do they have him?" And uh, or maybe it was Rick that asked that. And in present Turkey says it's not a clone; that it actually is FDR. He was a guinea pig for the polio vaccine, and they, they asked themselves what walks the most. So they mixed it with spiders. <laughs> so, so bad, so stupid. Morty is—he's like afraid to die or whatever. And Rick's like, you know, don't worry; they're going to turn back to human. They just have to avoid getting eaten by the, the spider. So they turn back. I guess there was like a timer on on, on Rick's turkey changing thing. So they're, they're naked now. And then President Turkey attacks FDR. Morty makes a torch from this electrical panel, whatever, throws it at FDR. Whoosh, he fries. He's, 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 he's toast. Rick grabs uh, President Turkey and says that since he saved them, he'll make him a deal. He's like, he'll turn him human. And then Morty points out that he grabbed the wrong turkey. <laughs> He's like, they all look the same. So then uh, the turkey president brings a, a couple turkeys to the lab and turns them into human. And he wants her. So this is the fake. This is a turkey. The turkey president, not president turkey. There's a difference. See, so he wants her strength increased a thousand percent. And the, the lab tech's like unsure, whatever. And then turkey president snaps her neck. So turkey president tells Congress that he's selling New York to France and giving all of the money to Congress. So they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they like that. The real president busts in, and he's he's naked. Uh, the vice president asks if they want uh, Mr. Cashbar at holiday parties or the turkey president. And then everyone raises their hand. They all vote for the turkey president because they would just want money. Congress wants money. Turkey president brings in his four strong turkey soldiers, and Rick calls... Uh, He's like, go, go, laser fist. But then only like feathers shoot out of his 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 shooter thing. His And he says he's a turkey for so long. So then the president calls out. He's like, Mary Todd Lincoln. And this like attack motorcycle shoots out of a painting, 
fires a missile at the turkey soldiers, and then the three of them, the president, Rick, and Morty, get away, get onto the motorcycle and drive away. So they're back at Rick's garage, and they're, like, bickering and everything like that. Morty tries saying that, you know, maybe they're both right and wrong. Then the president starts going off into Morty because, you know, he destroyed the Constitution and stuff like that. Beth comes in, and she, like, yells at him. She's like, don't talk to my son that way, and the president actually apologize or anything like that and she's like you're ruining thanksgiving she's like you can either come in and have dinner or continue at the corner bar there's like a pause and rick's like bars actually suck at thanksgiving <laughs> so they go in for dinner at the dinner table summers comments that the turkey isn't cooked all the way and jerry complains that it was a shimmer field that scrambled his oven timer and he's like i guess elections do have consequences then the president he's like eat my ass jerry he's like i've seen your irs records he's like you can complain when you have taxable income and rick laughs at this he's and he agrees he you know he, he agrees jerry's a sh- poop <laughs> and then uh they're like watching i forgot what movie they're you know they had the tv on and the news interrupts turkey president is turning all turkeys into hybrid super soldiers and congress approved it after their third pay raise in six hours so the president says that um the crypt is the answer and then rick is like upset he's like you know about the crypt because that's he's like that means the treasure's already gone so that's what they were trying to get on the back of the constitution and president's like it's not a treasure he's like the crypt of the new world might be their only hope or something like that morty mentions that the turkey president has a whole you know army navy and marines and uh, Rick, but he, he figures they just need some hillbillies and a good speech or something like that. So they go to the bar where the soldiers are. We're all like the redneck with the pregnant wives soldiers are. The army general tells a turkey president that they detect what, <laughs> what appears to be Rick and Morty in an unlicensed Star Wars at-at, or as the millennials say, AT-AT. <laughs> it's an at-at, people. If you've listened to the show in the past... You know it is called an ADAT, not an ATAT. It is not efficient. No one's gonna say, "Hey, we need five. Uh, we need a fleet of ATATs." And I know there is an ATST. That's a totally different thing. It's a stupid thing. It looks like a chicken on, you know, whatever walking around. They don't use it that often. The ADATs are far superior than the ATSTs. That's why they call them ADATs. <sighs> call back. <laughs> so uh, they're they're in there with. They're in gear with, like, soldiers, and they start attacking. Soldiers are falling. Turkeys are falling. President takes them to crypt under Lincoln Memorial, and he tells them that the treasure that they were after is the country's oldest secret. So it's one that was disguised by centuries of Thanksgiving folklore. There's all these images on, on the wall. Kind of like hieroglyphics or whatever, but there's, like, turkey dinosaurs, and President says that they're America's original rulers. It was, like, a merciless beast feasting on cowering humans. <laughs> then in the 15th century... A vessel crashed. There's uh, two crafts actually crashed. Um, and on board was their savior. The president tells Rick to pull a lever the same time he does. They have to do this. These aliens bust out of pods on both sides. They look like um, pilgrims and Native Americans. These two different <laughs> alien species. So they're at war with when they crash. They're at war with each other. They're I guess I don't know if they're chasing each other or whatever. They crashed on Earth. But then uh, they united... And they apparently love kicking turkey butt. So the turkey soldiers are getting obliterated. The turkey president comes out of the shadows, launches his turkey changing thing into space. It's like in the, the memorial and uh, the, whatever. The turkey president says that you know, he's talking to him. He's like, you can either stop me or stop the monument, you know, with the device from turning all, all of America's turkeys and super soldiers. The president um, it says that there are three of them, you know, so Rick and Morty are going to stop the device and then the president will fight Turkey president. 
And he's like, oh, and Rick, you got your pardon. And Morty's like, ah. And Rick's like, shut up, Morty. <laughs> he's like, so he, Rick is like really mean to Morty in this episode. It's like more so than usual. So there's a fight in space and on Earth. Um, more, so Rick has to, or they have to like destroy the top of the monument. Um, Morty has to, he's supposed to cut the, this blue wire, but it turns out they're all blue. So he just like, because he's supposed, not supposed to de- damage it, but he ends up destroying the top or something like that. So then on Earth, the president stabs turkey president with a corn stalk because all these these corn stalks popped up or something like that. Then, but the turkey president pulls out a <laughs> he pulls out a wishbone from himself, and he wishes that he explodes. So the president has to run; he has to die for cover or whatever. President thanks the aliens for saving America again. They're going to go back into hibernation, um, and he he's telling like Rick and Morty that they left all their technology and stuff like that. And Morty's, you know, for them to like reverse engineer and everything like that. Morty's like, I always thought that we came up with it and that's what made us special, you know, and why we own everything. He's like, now I don't know what to feel. And the president's like, feel thankful, Morty. Feel thankful. That's the end of the episode. And then the the end credit scene, there's a, this one soldier, the main soldier and his, his wife. She's not pregnant anymore. She has, she has a baby. They're at the grocery store. And she's complaining that they're still poor. You know, they did, did all this stuff like that, whatever. The so president owes them for saving them. And she's like, I'm going to go, you know, check something or whatever. Some blueberries spill. Um, and then the soldier, his neck, he's like his turkey instincts start kicking in. And, you know, he starts like foraging, like eating the blueberries on the floor. And then people are like, what's going on? It's like he's foraging. And then the, the wife comes back and she sees that. And she starts crying. So it's just like <laughs> such a dumb and weird ending. But that's uh, the Thanksgiving. So you can watch that on Thanksgiving again. <laughs> that's this week's Rick and Morty. Um, and again, you know, what I'll say is this is how it should be. Uh, you know, again, not to sound like a prude. And I know I do sound like a prude. But I think when the episodes revolve heavily like on, on sex, that it, it feels like not that it's like the reaching for the lowest common denominator. What It just it feels like this is how it should be just, you know, president and soldiers getting turned into turkeys i mean that just seems wacky and that's just what uh rick and morty has kind of been about and (laughs) there you go that was rick and morty this week with star wars the bad batch season one episode 14 war mantle so this is what we've been waiting for things are are heating up so it begins, you see someone being chased through the woods, like on some, you know, alien planet, obviously. And they're, you know, it's, it's whoever's following him has like these creatures are like following his trail. So it's like, is this a clone? You can't really tell. So I'm, I'm wondering, it's like, is it like one of our clones, you know, Clone Force 99? He gets like zapped in the leg, but, you know, keeps going. And then, you know, he gets zapped again, whatever. Uh, but at one point, you know, he did manage to put place like a tracker on a rock. So then he he's like crawling on the ground and then they, they surround him. On the ship, they get hailed by Rex. So it's like, well, holy crap, was that Rex? But no. He's talking to them. He says he could really use their help. And he's wearing like a cloak and he's like, you know, he's in the middle of something. He says that he received a distress call from a clone trooper, but he's too tied up at the moment to retrieve him. And Rex, he's he, he says that this uh, clone trooper is an old friend. He's in trouble. So he needs them to get him out. And he, they're like, well, what what is he in? He's like, oh, I can't talk about you know, about it right now. And then he sends him a signal. He has to he has to cut the transmission. So they don't know what what the deal is, or like what's going on, like what sort of trouble or whatever he's in. But it's coming from some planet named Daro. 
Um, Echo says that Rex wouldn't ask for their help if it wasn't urgent. But then Tech reminds them that they're in the middle of a job for Sid. If they deviate, they won't get paid. You know, no payment, no food. But then Omega's like, you know, helping Rex's friend is more important than getting paid. So, and Rex Wrecker, he's like, that's a good point. That's a good point, too. That's a good point. You know, he's just agreeing with everyone. And then Hunter thinks about it, and he finally is like, he's like, fine. He's like, we'll check things out. Then on Camino, Admiral Rampart, whatever his title is, he gets a report from Crosshair. says that the operation is ahead of schedule, so there's something going on. Uh, Caminoans, they, they finally said it. So, yeah, the word I'm struggling with is Caminoans. Uh, we see Nala Said, the female doctor, the scientist. She's taking some young clones elsewhere to continue her training. You know, she knows something up. Uh, this other dude, I was like, who's this other Caminoan coming up? It's a prime minister. He comes up to her, says that the empires cancel all their contracts. And, you know, Nala says that you know their success is known galaxy-wide, so surely they'll find other clients who value your scientific advancements, whatever. The Prime Minister says that the Empire is not like the Republic, and he fears that they'll destroy them rather than allow them to continue. Then he says that they have to leave to ensure their survival, so he's like, gather those who are essential. Uh, the, the clones, Clone Force, they approach Daro. Hunter says that you know they're gambling a lot on a clone they don't even know, but Echo says that, you know, Wreck trusts him. He's like, so I do too. And they head out and, you know, they land, which is like, we'll, we'll go in low so they don't detect us. But it's like, you still need to approach the planet. So, but whatever, I guess the where the coordinates are, they're going to approach from a distance. They When they land, they head out in armor. And again, the thing that bugs me is Omega's out there with them. She still doesn't have any protection or anything like that. So it's just like, okay, just you're shorter. You're not going to get shot. Is that the idea? They find the beacon thing. And Hunter can, you know, he's looking um, at tracks and he can see that the clone was hunted. He got dragged away. And then Tech says that his scanners are being jammed, but there's not supposed to be anything on the planet. But there's like something inside this mountain, you know, and they don't know what, what, what there is. So Hunter tells Wrecker and Omega to wait in the ship. She tries protesting, but Hunter cuts her off. He's like, no, he's like, there's, this is not, that's an order. Because, you know, he doesn't know what it is, doesn't want to risk her, her life. Hunter, he can also see like from the ground that a, a shuttle landed nearby, so they don't know what's going on here or whatever. They need to figure out what's inside the mountain, so they have to climb their way up. When they get to the top, it's like a military base. It's like you know carved. There's like it's a whole like structure carved inside, and in, you know in in the mountain like actual like building stuff and everything. You know whatever you want to call it. So they uh, a shuttle flies overhead and kind of lands inside. And um, Hunter, he's looking at binoculars. He sees that there's clone troopers. And there's a couple squads of them, but they've like upgraded their armor, so they're different. And Hunter says that you know this is no longer a simple extraction, so they're gonna have to head back to the ship and leave word for Rex that you know they they can't do this. But Echo's like you know he's like well what about the mission? He's like you know basically he goes on how they went against you know these big odds to rescue him. He's like if there he's like if there's a chance of that trooper's being held against his will, we have to get him out because he's like basically that's what happened to him. So then on a Marauder on their ship, Omega and Wrecker are playing the strategy game, whatever. Um, they get a call from the others that they're going in. Omega's like, you know, wait for us. He's like, we'll go too. And Hunter's like, no. He's like, you're our backup. You have to stay on the ship. So they hop on top of like a lift. They head down and, you know, jump off. Um, they they got like encryption from security. They must have got it from one of, I don't know where, where they got it. Um the computer says that there are like 50 clone troopers and 1,000 TK troopers. And Tech's like, I'm not familiar with a TK designation, whatever. 
Echo um, finds out where the trooper is. He's in a cell block f- four levels down, so we can go down there. So they get, go there. They find CC5576, and he, he says his name is Gregor after they say that Rex sent him. Tech tries uh, redirecting the lift so they can get out because the only way out is up. But uh, And they're talking while he's doing this. Gregor says that he was an instructor, but then the alarm goes off. Gregor says that the, the you know, Tech tried using his his codes or whatever. He's like, the clone codes don't work here. So he's like, you just triggered a security alert. Other troopers start arriving and shooting. They take them all out, whatever. And then they, they find out that they're not clones. They're not, they're not clone troopers. Gregor says that they're their replacements. Um, and more troopers arrive and start shooting and stuff like that. Gregor says that he knows a way out. And so apparently he was training them. Or because like Hunter's like, I thought you trained them because they, you know, they're taking them out so easily or whatever. He's like, well, I didn't teach them everything. He's like, that wouldn't be smart. So they make it to a lift. They use some new code that they some. I don't know if they got it from one of the fallen troopers or whatever. Uh, Gregor says that the troops come from all over the galaxy. That you know they're not really skilled, but that they're loyal and there's an endless supply of them. And Hunter's like, well, you know, numbers don't make everything or whatever. They get to the top, but there's a bunch of troopers waiting for them, so they have to go back down. Omega asks Wrecker, she's like, how can you be so relaxed? And he's like, oh, I'm sure they have everything under control. But they're being chased and shot at and everything like that. Gregor gets got hit, but he said he'll be okay because his armor, I guess, or whatever. Um, I don't know, understand how Stormtrooper armor works. So it doesn't seem like it blocks anything. Tech says that they can escape. You know, He's looking at schematics. They can escape through an ex- exhaust port on the side of the mountain. The only thing is it's too far down for them to jump. So they'll have to signal a ship to get them when, once they reached the, the outer part or whatever hunter asks how um gregor ended up there and he says that he was sent there with others but then he realized he wanted out and the empire sees that as desertion so that's why they, they were chasing him or whatever hunter calls a ship about a pickup um the ship approaches but then other shuttles are being launched from inside so they they come out and start shooting at them because the ship is like hovering like next to the exhaust port thing and they're like you know jumping across or whatever they're they're like losing power because you know ship's getting hit. Omega p- plugs Gonky the the, the Gonk droid, the power droid into the ship or whatever, so it works. They're back online. They circle back to the mountain. More ships are coming because um, like Hunt, Hunter's like the last one. He jumps, but then he falls and he falls down the mountain through some trees. Try slowing down his fall, you know, like with a knife in the side of the mountain, whatever. But he, he still has a hard landing. Um, the ship can't take much much more of the hits, and you know another shuttle lands by Hunter. He he gets up and he tells them to go, and he, they don't want to go. They don't want to leave him, but he gives Tech the order to leave. And Omega's or he says that he'll find another way out. But Omega's yelling, he's like, "We have to go back. We have to go back." But we see he's surrounded. On Camino, Rampart comes up to the the Prime Minister. He says he's disappointed. He's like, you know, he's like, we offered you know full cooperation, whatever. And, that Rampart says a scientist has been gathering assets to flee Camino, and uh, you know. But then this is the part where it was a little unclear what was going to happen. Rampart says, you know, a scientist he could use because it's almost like the prime minister was trying to turn it like, oh, the scientists must have been doing their own thing type of thing. But then you know, he, uh, Rampart's like, you know, he could use a scientist, but a politician doesn't need. So he's like, your services are no longer you know necessary, something like that. So he leaves and the door is closed. So I don't know if they're going to kill him. I was like waiting to hear like a blaster fire, but we don't hear anything like that. Then the last scene we see Hunter is like in a cell. Crosshair shows up and he's like, I was hoping for the whole squad, but you'll do. And then that's where it ends. So uh, not quite how I thought. I, you know, I, I thought we were going to get like some episodes like Crosshair, 
going after them. So we still could, you know, there's still the others that are out there. We'll have to see. And I'm curious to see like, what, what is, is Gregor going to, Gregor going to stay with them or is he going to go off somewhere else or go hang out with, with, and I don't know, do we know who Gregor is? Is he, is he a clone from before? Uh, I just, I just paused. I just looked up, um, according to Wikipedia, there's a bunch of stuff about him. I don't know if he's like one that we're supposed to know about or, um, okay. 15 years after the clone wars, Gregor's still alive. Yeah. Okay. So he's one then he's living in a modified ATTE on Celos with Captain Rex and Commander Wolf. So he was one of the, the three that we saw in, in Rebels. Okay. I was wondering if we were supposed to know who he was, but I forgot. I just didn't know. So there you go. So it was, it was a good episode and, um, a bit of a cliffhanger. And I think, I think there's only two more. I think there's 16 episodes. So we'll have to see how is, uh, what is Crosshair going to do to try to lure the others in? Will they be able to save Hunter or, you know, what's going to happen? Okay. Then we have Jellystone exclamation point. And this is a new show on HBO max. I didn't hear you. haven't even heard of this. The idea is, is something that should be really good. It's basically taking all of the Hanna-Barbera characters. They all live in this town called Jellystone. And it's kind of, it, it kind of reminds me of like Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, where, you know, you have all the characters, but with like humans and everything like that, but they're all living together. So there's not any like regular humans. It's just Hanna-Barbera characters. The problem, well, when the animation is a little it's not quite pure like Hanna Barbera style it kind of looks like them more like modern I don't even know how you would describe it but when I first saw like Yogi and Boob I'm like that doesn't really look like them you know it's like people are like short I don't know how to describe it but so I watched three episodes three out of ten and when I was watching the first one I was like I don't know if I can watch this but I, I, I pushed myself through it maybe it's a second I forget when I was no it must have been the first episode and um, one of the interesting things, some of the characters have been gender bent. So I know some people won't be happy with that. I'm not super happy with it. I get why they're doing it. Because if you look back at the Hanna-Barbera characters, you know, the, the main ones, they're all pretty much male characters. So I, I, I get why they, they do that. Because like Augie Doggy and Jabberjaw are, are gender bent. Because when you have Doggy Daddy and he's talking, about, I was like, wait, why is he talk, saying Augie Doggy is a girl? So Augie Doggy is now a girl. Okay. And then Jabberjaw, you can't even tell because Jabberjaw doesn't sound like, doesn't sound like Curly from Three Stooges. Uh, but you can see Jabberjaw has like uh, like little eyelashes, like three pink, pink, pink on each side of her eyes. So that means she's a girl. And then I think Squidly Diddly is a girl. Uh, I don't even know what her name, if they've called her or anything like that. I'm trying to think if there's, there's anyone else. So the first episode, I'm going to go real briefly because this is, yeah. Uh, first episode, there, so it's, it's like 22 minute episodes in each. There's like two episodes per episode, two stories. So they're basically like 11 minute episodes, which is, I guess, the attention span of kids these days, which, you know, Adventure Time, uh, Teen Titans Go and all that. So the first one is Yogi's Tummy Trouble and Gorilla in Our Mitts. So... Yogi's Kogmat is hungry and he can't choose between food. So he gets a nuclear stomach put in. Um, cause, so Yogi's a, a surgeon or a doctor and Boo Boo's a nurse. Um, Cindy Bear is there too. So Cindy, without his consent, puts a nuclear stomach in Yogi. So then he can eat everything. But then he, he gets so hungry and uh, 
he he starts eating everything. He like eats boo boo. He eats he's like eating buildings and people. He ends up eating everyone. And then there's a song that I think Doggy Doggy was singing this kitten song that was like giving him indigestion. So that's what they they used to try to get out. Um, Huckleberry Hound's like, oh, he's a mayor. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just like, what's going on? Second episode, Great Babe collapses in town. Uh, apparently, he's in a food coma. So they need to go inside to see what's what's happening. But um, so they basically they make Boo Boo go in, inside. <laughs> then at one point, Yogi has to go because they they're gonna pour like this like they come up with some concoction that's gonna clear the path because there's like pasta and like this big giant meatball, uh, like comically large pasta as Boo 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 put it. Um, so they they mix some concoction liquid stuff that they're gonna pour down Great Ape's mouth, but then they realize Boo Boo's still in there. So then Yogi's gonna go in there. They end up getting out. They're like, "How'd you get out?" They're like, "We came out a different way," which is like a really. Um, episode two, boo boo, boo boots. Okay, episode two, boo boots and my doggy Dave. Boo boo, we find out uh, has a harsh life, so he has to wake up Yogi. Like he comes out of his bedroom, like the drums, and he's like, "Oh, Yogi left his drums out," and it's like blocking his door. So you know they all knock over. Um, he has to put on like all this like padding and like a mask and everything like that to wake up Yogi because he like attacks him and everything like that. Uh, and then boo boo's going to the bathroom and it's like his furs pulled down around his his ankles which is weird and then yogi's in there he's like oh i didn't see you there so he just like barge and when you know yogi or boobie's taking a dump and then he's like oh can you clean this brush for me and he's like okay and he's like hands him a toothbrush and there's like st- 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 hair or something on it and he's like oh, this is my toothbrush and then um he made him he made them breakfast yogi comes and eats both plates He's like, oh, that was supposed to be one of those was mine or whatever. So he's uh, Yogi's or Boo Boo's kind of sad, and and when they're going out, like no one, like everyone ignores Boo Boo. No one like acknowledges him. They're all talking about about Yogi. So he's sad. He's gonna try doing some retail therapy, you know, everything like that. But then he sees these big like golden boots in a window. So he gets them, and uh, people start noticing him. And then uh, Yogi is really bothered by this when, you know, after Boo Boo shows up to the hospital. So next day, uh, Yogi shows up with big red boots. And these are like tall, make them like ridiculously tall. So uh, Yogi gets red boots and then they go back to ignoring Boo Boo. So then they start competing, getting like taller and taller boots until they're like way up and, you know, over towering the, the cities and or the buildings and everything like that. Ridiculous. Then the second story, the my doggy Dave. So doggy daddy is like super protective. He's like pushing Augie in a stroller, and they're like, "Oh, how old's your baby?" And and he's like, "132 months." And she's like, "That's 11 years." Where so he's really protective of her or anything like that. Yogi Boo Boo and Captain Caveman run into them. They talk about bowling, but then they they when um doggy daddy's like it's like oh yeah you know i'll bring my daughter and they're like ah this is only for adults or something like that so they talk about getting like a babysitter or something like that and but he has this hard time grasping that idea he's like okay i'll I'll do it and then he's like okay see you later daddy and boo is like why do we call him daddy he's like i don't know it just seems right or something like that so uh doggy daddy calls Jabberjaw to get be the sitter or whatever but then he just can't handle it so he ends up bringing augie to the bowling alley with a fake mustache and calls her his friend from out of town, Dave. And then there's this whole thing. Everyone ends up liking Dave. And Doggy Daddy is like dealing with the fact that he lost his daughter. And, and then 
they had this big bowling competition at the end and it, you know whatever ridiculousness third episode a coconut to remember in grocery store mcgill is running like a some sort of clothing store jabberjaw is like his star employee so he's going to make her assistant manager and people are attracted to her like a quick draw mcdraw as el caban um snagglepuss is genie i don't know who the genie dude is supposed to be i, I feel like i should know uh, but then it turns out it's all a dream so Megilla is not interested in promoting her and everything like that and he gets hit in the head by a coconut loses memory so she takes advantage of the situation so she's assistant manager and it starts like changing things and or like that but then one the question i had is like what happened to mr peebles because eventually, you know, Yogi gets his memory back. Then he's like, who took that that painting out of storage? Because there's a picture of him and Mr. Peebles. So I wonder, is Mr. Peebles dead and he's sad or trying to move on? Or was Mr. Peebles like mean to him, you know, keeping him locked up in a cage or whatever? Um, it, it says, yeah, more coconuts bonking on the head and just it gets goes, keeps going. And then that's the second episode, Doggy Daddy and Augie Dogger at a grocery store. And again, super protective. They, they go into this whole thing about making like a fruit salad. They even have a whole song different than the Wiggle song. But they're in, they're in line at the for the checkout. Baskets full of fruits, but they realize they forgot the bananas, even though they sang about it. So Augie says that she'll go um, get them by herself and he's like hesitant about that but that way daddy can save their spot in line or whatever she goes she gets distracted and it just gets ridiculous and then it gets to the point where he's at the front of the line and he's like fending people off and you know whatever because it's like dude just lets the person go in front of you but he's like he doesn't want to do that everyone's like like hey just let us buy our food because there's only one checkout you know line i guess so that's all I watched. Uh, I don't know uh, if I'm looking at the titles of the other ones. Some of them look like they're, they're getting a little more clever, like, you know, other things that they, they may bring up or, you know, spoof or satire or whatever. But um, I just wonder, like, who is this show for? Because some of the ideas seem like a little more simple. And so it kind of feels like that maybe, you know, maybe it's not for me. You know, maybe this is more for like younger viewers, but then the younger viewers probably don't really know who these characters are, and they can't really appreciate the fact that all these classic characters are living in the same town, in the same you know episodes, stories, interacting, and all that stuff. And I feel like older viewers might be turned off by the change in animation style and just the changing of the genders. You know, changing who these characters are were. I just, I, I just don't understand. It's just, it seems like such a bizarre show, and um, I, I think overall it is meant to be for younger. Maybe there's like, it doesn't matter if the younger kids don't know who these characters are because they'll get the gnome for the first time, and then if parents happen to be nearby watching with them or you know dusting the furniture while the, the TV's on or whatever, they can be like, oh yeah, I remember these. You know, I don't. Know, it just, it just seems so weird. Will I go back and watch the other ones? Maybe. I probably won't talk about them here unless something... I, I, I doubt I'm going to watch it in a, anytime soon because I got to watch... I still got to watch Transformers, which, like I said, I'll talk about next week. Okay, then I just want to talk briefly about... The, so a documentary on HBO or HBO Max or both or whatever. Uh, Music Box. It's a Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage. I, f- I forgot what the, the full title is. And this is a... This kind of blows me away. So, 99, 
because I, I remember I remember specifically '94. That was a bit because I remember even getting like the the soundtrack or that soundtrack or whatever the, the the double CD release of it when you know they're like we're gonna do the celebration and you know got all these Green Days there and a bunch of other I forget who who else was there. Uh, and then, so I don't even remember them doing one in 99. I feel like in 99, you know, the end of the nineties, you know, whatever, it's just like, I should have been aware of this and, you know, there was MTV coverage and everything like that, but I, I don't think I was watching MTV at that point. And you hear about all this stuff and it, it's a really good documentary. It's like an hour and 50 minutes. So it's, 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 it's kind of long, but you know, they, they kind of touch on the, the history of the original Woodstock, which you know I have been to the town of Bethel where that, that place happened. And I think in 94, I was there when they had a celebration. So not the official 94 um, celebration. So that must, I must have been there like a month before in Bethel where they had, and you know, it was fun. And, you know, they had other, other people were, were, were there and, but it wasn't like the big commercial, you know, fiasco that, you know, n- not even the 94, I don't even think was, was really a fiasco. I wouldn't even know if I'd call it that compared to 99. So, uh, I just don't even remember hearing about 99 happening or just all this, how horrific it was. I mean, this was like, you can't even call it a train wreck. I mean, this is just disastrous and horrific. As I was watching this, I mean, there's points where I was just feeling really like uneasy, just like kind of like sick to my stomach. So basically what, what, what happens as you know, they it took place in Rome, New York, and it was at, at uh, old Air Force Base because you know they, they figured they got all this land, they got some structures, and you know they, they can do stuff like there. Um, but it was like really hot, and you know with all the this concrete and everything that that made things worse. And I think just some people weren't really prepared for it. You know, water was like four dollars a bottle, and so some people were complaining about that. But that's what you would expect. At these festivals, there, they, you know, there was mentioned that there was a place for free water, you know, where you can get that, so you didn't have to buy the water. But then, like by day two and stuff like that, people were like inside these troughs, like bathing in there, which is kind of gross. And people were tired of waiting, so then they like, you know, cut the the, the pipes and everything, and so it's all this disastrous stuff. And then you know, it got to the point where like the bathrooms were start getting all nasty, and there's you know, like like crap all over and and stuff like that. But what it really comes down to, like, it was weird at this time because, you know, they even mentioned, like, unemployment was low and, you know, things were kind of good. But there's, like, all this rage and it was, like, all these white dudes. They're, like, kind of like these tw- young, you know, 20-year-old white dudes. Kind of, like, not necessarily frat dudes, but just a, a lot of just pent-up rage and anger that just started bubbling up. And, you know, as the heat continued, people become dehydrated, you know, and the fact that you could pay, you know, $4 for a bottle of water or $4 for a beer. So people are getting the beer, but then the beer makes you even more dehydrated and stuff like that. So it's just getting worse and worse. And um, then it, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff like about, how women were getting assaulted and women getting groped, you know, cause there, there's a lot of women who were going topless, like, you know, Woodstock, you know, peace and, you know, whatever. But then I got some respect for like the singer of the offspring. Cause like at one point he's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of women that are crowd surfing and everything like that. It's like, they should be able to do that without getting groped. So it's like, come on dudes, you know, don't do it. But, you know, and you see like all this footage where these guys are just doing like grabbing at them and ripping their clothes. And, and it's just is really horrific. And, you know, then there it, it got worse than that. You know, there was like other like people getting raped and assaulted. And, and it's just 
it does not. I mean, that is people were turning into savages is like what what they were saying. And the, like security was kind of a joke. You know, they they hired you know a bunch of people. They went through like I forget like what sort of training it was. Like it was a three week or three day or whatever. The instructor kind of told them like the answers before they took the test and everything like that. But then they're saying how you know some people they got their um their badge their access badge and their shirts but then as soon as they got in they took the shirts off and they had to access. you know so they weren't really doing what they had to do they were being uh, very controlling you know because they were told not to let people bring in food you know outside food whatever inside but if there was drugs they were letting them bring drugs in you know and so you know some people were getting you know payouts and whatever so it was just it just turned into mess and then like when limp biscuit came on and you know some people were like you can't blame the the musicians or whatever but Limp Bizkit was like really egging them on about, you know, destroying stuff and rage and, you know, feeding into all that. Cause I think at one point they were like, like, Hey, can you like try to calm it down? And, but you know, he just kept going and everything like that. So you can't really blame him, but the fact that he was like feeding into it and cause there's just like so many people there and it just got worse and worse. And then like by day three, it just, it turned into like Lord of the flies. And uh, cause they're even like people could have left, but they chose to stay there. And it's just, it just, it, it's mind boggling. And, you know, a lot of this stuff, not that it was covered up, but, you know, they, you know, the, they were saying like, oh yeah, you know, shows like success. People are having, you know, good time, but, but yet people are getting raped and assaulted and people are, were dying, you know, someone had hypothermia and just a dehydration and, oh, so it's just, it was just so bizarre to see this and. It was yeah. I I just was blown away about this because on on by the third day spoilers, you know since this this is all news or whatever. But you know people start like setting things on fire. So there's like all these like bonfires and stuff going there. So at one point you know it's like they're trying to get the fire trucks in there, but there's like all these people and everything like that. So like Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing and they're like like they go to Anthony Kiedis. I guess they're like hey we need your help you know. And he's like you know let people you know let the fire trucks in. And then he sings Jimi Hendrix you know it's fire. Let me stand next to your fire, which, you know, they, they've done a cover of that before. So, you know, there's, it's a legit whatever in their library, but it's just like, come on, man. Uh, so it's just, it's very fascinating. To, and it's just to see this like moment in society and just, it's just, and it was weird that there, it, there was, it was a lot of white dudes. That's mainly who, who it was. There's like three female acts, you know, there was, uh, who was there? There was Alanis Morissette, Cheryl Crow and Jewel. And they were, they each played like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So they had like one female act each each day. And the promoter is like, you know, we weren't trying to, you know, do anything. We we're just looking at, you know, who would be of interest. But it's like, but then you have Limp Biscuit, you have Megadeth, you have Metallica, Rage Against the Machine, Corn, like all these like kind of like angry like, you know. And they have like, and the fact that they they put the the female acts like one per day to just like spread it out rather than put them together and. Oh, it was just so it's it's a very fascinating documentary just to see how everything unfolded and just how it just got worse and worse and and like I said I I don't know how I didn't either I'm just blocking but I, I would think I would have heard about like how horrific things were so I don't know if just it wasn't all reported or just didn't reach out here on the West Coast or, but yeah so check that out it's on on HBO it's it's um it's pretty eye opening if if you're just weren't aware of it and you know just being so into music myself at that time i don't know how i didn't hear about this and it's 
disturbing and upsetting but you know will there be another one there was supposed to be one uh was it 2019 but then it was like canceled at the last minute so maybe that's a good thing but it's it's too bad because you know 2019 would have been the 50th anniversary but yeah so check that out on, on hbo all right it is finally time to talk about masters of the universe revelation so what what can i say about it there's people are not happy with this um I'm I'm not super th- I wasn't super thrilled with it. I there is some aspects that I like, you know, the animation is slick. I like most of it. I mean, the voice acting was done well. Some voices I don't feel were right for the p- specific character. The lines and everything were delivered properly, you know, with a you know, they did a good job with it. I just didn't fe- it didn't feel right. And Maybe I'm when I think of He-Man or Masters Universe, you know, I have certain memories or whatever in, in my head. So when I think, because you know, like take Mark Mark Hamill, love Mark Hamill. His his Skeletor sounded more like Joker. You know, Mark Hamill is amazing. You know, he's an amazing voice actor. You know, you, you can't argue that. I'm used to more whiny, whatever, cackling Skeletor. It doesn't mean that that's necessarily better. It doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's a better direction for Skeletor. That's just what we, we had. That's what we were given. So the question is, is it okay to change that? And that's what I guess they went with. Uh, same thing with, with like Tila, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar has done a great job, you know, Star Wars, Rebel, you know, whatever, you know, she, she is good. I loved her as Buffy. But with 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 Tila, it didn't just didn't sound right. And maybe because if we're looking at Tila, you know, um, I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit. Tila kind of uh, she buffs up a little bit, and you know she she doesn't seem as not that she was like dainty or anything before, but you know compared to like the ridiculously massive He Man, you know, and even if you look at all like the action figures, and you know, I I never got any of the action figures and i think because they it seemed my memories like they all had like the same body mold or just these incredibly big muscle guys and everything and then you know you got tila or you know sorceress or evil in you know they're slimmer and they were daintier compared to these big massive you know slabs of plastic beef or whatever so I, it just seems like Tila's voice should have been like a little lower or whatever, you know, to f- fit her frame. I don't know. I mean, what what do I know? But now the the big problem that people seem to be having with and let me let me back up. So I don't love He Man. I, I I liked He Man. You know, I did watch the show. The show is pretty whack if you go back, and because I, I remember. I remember when my daughter was was young, we started watching when, I don't remember if it was He-Man or She-Ra, but I remember He-Man was in there. Maybe it was the first episode of She-Ra. I don't remember. But it, it's it's pretty bad, I guess. And uh, so, you know, things were, were, were pretty crazy and everything like that. And I haven't tried watching it, you know, in depth. I just remember watching like a couple episodes and I was just like, whoa, this is, this is kind of nuts and everything. So, yeah, you have that. I I have memories. You know, there's that nostalgia of having watched He-Man, but I'm not, like, massively, you know, attached to it one way or the other. So, you know, if you were to change little things, you know, some of the changes that you see in the characters, I, I don't really have a problem with that, you know, and 
that's the evolution of characters and, and so forth. Because, you know, it wouldn't necessarily make sense to just have the same exact format as before like the same character designs you know you you want it to be similar enough but you know there, there should also be a difference but i think the the main problem that people seem to be having if if i you know understand the arguments or the complaints you know because there are people who, who like the show you know a lot of the, the critics seem to in, enjoy it but you know i i would question how many of these crit- how many people who liked the show were really fans of, of the original? You know, I, I, I don't know. Cause I, like I said, if you're a little more relaxed, you're more, a little more, I mean, that makes you a little more accepting. You know, if, if you're, if you don't have like a horse in the race or whatever they, they say. So, you know, you know, cause obviously things have changed, but I think the other thing also, I'm, I'm a little confused with, with Kevin Smith's whole, the way he feels about it. I was under the impression that he was like a big fan of the series, that he like loved He Man. I could be totally wrong. I, I, you know, I didn't. I don't know if I specifically read an exact, you know, interview with his, you know, exact quote saying he loved the show. But I was under the impression that he was, you know, a, a big fan of the show and wanted to continue the show in in theory or in whatever in, in essence and and stuff like that. And then, like, after we see the big changes made, and it, whether you call it a big change or not, but you know, I'll get to that in just a second. But then later he was saying that he wasn't a, a fan of the show. I think he said it was, like, hard to watch. So that just seems weird. Like, if you're going to take on a project, and if it's hard, you know, if the original is hard to watch, it just seems like, why would you want to do it? And maybe there's a there's the aspect, like, the challenge, like, I want to make it watchable. I want to make it something that I would like and, and so forth. That just seems a, a little, little weird. Maybe the studio, whatever, they're like, Hey, we want to do this. What do you think about steering it in this direction? And then me, you might be like, okay, yeah, I, 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 I want to try to do that. So it, it seems weird. I don't really know where he stands on the, the original characters at this point. Cause yeah, I feel, I feel like there has been like two different things. But the other thing, you know, he said that this was a He-Man show. It's not called He-Man, so we can't argue that. The fact that He-Man, He-Man's like hardly in these first, was it, five episodes? And uh, that, I think, is a big complaint. It's called Masters of the Universe Revelation. It is not called He-Man in the Masters of the Universe. So you can't complain about that, but... I just feel like the impression was, you know, they're calling it like Kevin Smith's doing a He-Man show on Netflix. That's how everyone was 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 billing it, including like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like even like the Netflix announcements were, were calling it that. And that's not what we got. So I think that's what, what people are upset about. Now, it does feel like there's an agenda. And, you know, we, we see this a lot. I, there's not necessarily something, anything wrong with it, but it feels like the the purpose was to lessen he-man and to elevate tila and you know kevin smith has said you know i i just saw the interview the other day where he was going off and he's like cursing left and right that's just what he does but he was saying how there were episodes where he-man didn't even have his sword or or like so prince adam couldn't turn into he-man and there's episodes where tila had to save him or his friends had to save him stuff like that it's like okay yeah maybe there were i don't know because, you know, I haven't watched it since I was a kid. And uh, so it, it just, 
it, I don't, I don't know what it is. And to me, I, I know part of Kevin Smith's vocabulary persona. He he swears. He you know he curses. But to me, it's it seems like when you're doing an interview, I don't know. I'm, and again, call me a prude or whatever you want. Just like I don't curse on the podcast. In real life, heck yeah, I, I curse. <laughs> I, I curse a, a bit. But I, I just feel like you know there, there's a time and a place for it. And when you're trying to make a statement or argument, I, f- I don't feel like cursing is the way to go because it, it sounds like, I mean, to me, it, it's like I'll curse if I'm like really angry or if I stub my toe or you know something like that. You know something you know you, you feel like anger. And when you're you're trying to defend something and you're cursing, to me, it sounds like you're being overly defensive. And I'm not trying to say that that's what he was doing. Again, who am I to sp- try to speak for someone else? But I, I don't know. I just feel like we had this whole thing where we were told it was a He-Man show and instead we got a Tila show. And it just feels like just part of the agenda is like, let's make more. Fe- and not only is it Tila, Tila has a, a new friend, Andra, who is is female. She's a black female, which again is great because I realized like there's no black characters on the show and never mind any like Latinos or, you know, Asian or, I mean, maybe, I don't know. It doesn't seem like nothing comes to mind. So, you know, you have this, so you have basically a show about two women and then who joins them? Evil Lynn. So you basically have three women that are in the lead of the show. And yeah, you get Beastman hanging out, protecting Evil Lynn, which, you know, again, I'm going to go through all the episodes and, and, you know, discuss it. But it, it's mainly about these three strong female characters. That's great. I have no problem with, with strong female characters. You know, I I really enjoyed Captain Marvel, and I know a lot of people do not like that movie or don't like Brie Larson for whatever reason. I don't understand. And, you know, I loved the original Wonder, or the first Wonder Woman movie, 84. Eh. I loved Black Widow and, you know, people. So, I, you know, and, and the fact I love having these strong female characters because of my daughter. You know, when she was growing up, there weren't a whole lot out there. And, you know, so I didn't necessarily try to push an agenda or anything on her. You know, she gravitated, you know, she she loved Spider-Man, you know, growing up. And then, you know, then she, when she saw Black Widow, she loved Black Widow and, and you know, and, and so forth. It just feels like for a show that was always known as a, quote, boys show, because it was about Mattel making toys for boys. They felt that boys only wanted guy characters. They had a couple female characters. And I think I might have asked this last week. It's like, you know, how many of the female characters were actually made into toys? You know, there is probably, I'm assuming there was a Tila action figure. There was maybe a sorceress action figure. There was probably an evil Lynn. But the rest of the characters were all, all boys, all dudes, because that's what the manufacturers thought kids wanted. That's what society said. They're like, boys, you don't play with girls because girls, girl toys are dolls. You don't do that, which is, again, ridiculous because my daughter... She played with action figures and everything like that. And again, most of them were dudes because that's all that there were. It's just, you know, it, it feels like you're taking this and is is it okay? Is it appropriate to say, hey, we're going to take this concept, this franchise that was perceived as a boys thing, and we're going to open it up to everyone, girls included, guys and girls. But it's like, that's what she was. And, you know, I'm not saying that it's that that's that was the best solution that it's like instead of trying to diversify He-Man, it's like, let's just make a whole separate thing that's only for the girls and we can make like little pony dolls and with with real hair that girls can comb or, you know, 
supposedly that that's the idea. So that that's the main problem where it just feels like it was turned into a, a, a Tila show. Supposedly, the second half we're going to see more He-Man front and center. I, I kind of you know joking to myself, it's like you know, are they scrambling now? The last you know, when are we going to see it? And are they going to you know make tweaks or whatever because of all the complaints? And then they can say, see, we told you this is really all about He-Man, but you are too impatient and jumped the gun and. I mean, I don't know how quick a turnaround, you know, whatever they can do, if they can redraw some scenes or whatever and change dial. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to do that, but hey, you never know. <laughs> I mean, I'm skeptical of everything. So it's, it's just, it's it seems weird that, you know, this has turned into a show about Tila when, but I, I think the main thing is because Kevin Smith allegedly said that this was a he-man show and it turns out that's not the case so that is a complaint about it and um and then the other thing is you know i don't really have a problem like that and especially if it would have been billed as if they would have put this as tila's journey to whatever what I, I know that sounds incredibly cheesy so they probably would never say that but the fact also that when we have when we see tila evolving and growing she is a little annoying at times. She, you know, I, I saw a lot of people referring to her as a spoiled brat, which is kind of the case. And, and we'll we'll get to that when I get to the episodes. I feel like I've talked too much about this. Maybe I talked way too much, you know, like 13 minutes about this. But that's my thoughts on, on the show. So there were some some episodes where I was like rolling my eyes. And, and there was a point where it's like, man, I kind of don't want to watch the next episode because Teela is a little annoying. You know, I want to get to the action. I loved Evil Lynn. I thought Evil Lynn was awesome here. I mean, I I I grew so much more respect for her as a character. I didn't really care for her so much before. So that's an example where before Evil Lynn was powerful and everything like that, but she was always one of Skeletor's lackeys, even though she was had this immense powers. I feel like she has grown. She has evolved as a character. Tila, I mean, I I never thought that she was like a damsel in distress before. You know, again, I'm basing this on my memories of when I watched it as a kid. You know, she was always tough. She she was in there. She was fighting alongside He Man and Man at Arms and, and Orko. So her growing didn't seem as necessary to in my whatever memories in my eyes. But uh, Evil Lynn ha has grown and evolved, and I, I think she is. Uh, she's probably like my favorite character uh, of these episodes. Everything, just seeing what she's done, and I, I'm I'm really curious to see what she's going to do in these next episodes. You know, with the decisions that she's made and everything like that. So, with that, <laughs> again, getting close to the 15 minutes, let's talk about this. So, I'm going to go through all the episodes, just kind of do my you know usual recap. So, if you haven't watched it, you know. If this is what you enjoy, or you know, we can discuss certain things and whatever. All right, so here we go. Episode one: The Power of Grayskull. So we get a recap of Eternia, Castle Grayskull, Snake Mountain, uh, Skeletor trying to get the power, Prince Adam protecting it as He-Man. Only a few people know his secret. You know, those who control Grayskull control the powers to be the masters of the universe. You know that that's the whole spiel. I don't remember them. Uh, talking so much about Masters of the Universe in, in the original show. I don't know if they actually use that phrase, but that's what uh, 
you know, they, they, they throw that around a, a bit here. And I didn't really realize that Eternia was like the center of this universe and all the power, you know, everything depended on Eternia thriving as a planet or whatever. And, I, you know, I was just curious, I was like, well, what about people on the other side of the planet? You know, we, we saw, see other people like, you know, here comes Stinkor, like, where does Stinkor come from? You know, he must have his own village or society or whatever. And, and same with, with all the others, but whatever, I, I'm digressing way too much. So we see this dude on a robot horse. He has two bound captives. There's a celebration in the kingdom. There's like fireworks. Cringer, of course, is hiding. Tila arrives. Man at arms is proud of, of her um, growing to be this brilliant tactician. You know, she's a lethal warrior. And she's going to be knighted as a man of arms, which is incredibly sexist. But that's the way that the town, is, Eternia, whatever... Fan, fan, not Frander, that's the king. So she's going to become captain of the guards. And it's like, well, what does that mean for Man of Art? Is he retiring? I mean, I, I thought he was a captain. I don't know. Orko shows up, but it's like, where's Prince Adam? Then it cuts to uh, the, the dude on the horse. It was It's He-Man, apparently, on the horse. He arrives at Castle Grayskull. Um, the sorceress... She's in her bird form. She, I, I guess people know, you know, it's not that big of a secret, whatever she can turn into this bird. Or I, don't, I don't really know. So she she flies down, you know, lands at the gate. But it turns out one of the prisoners was really skeletal, hidden by his, uh, his, his staff, his skull staff or whatever. Sorcerers blast him. And, you know, she's like, did you really think that you could fool me? And then uh, cut back to the palace or whatever. We see Or Orko puts Cringer in this magic protective bubble after some trumpets are too loud because it's soundproof. You know, we're supposed to see Orko with his shoddy magic, and you know he he puts Cringer in this this uh, bubble. But then the queen's like, "Can he breathe?" And it turns out he can't. So then Prince Adam saves Cringer with a pin. But it's like, how can that be? How can Prince Adam be there? That means that He Man isn't at Grayskull. And we see He-Man, he grabs Sorceress, and then back to Adam and Teela talking. She's happy that after all these years, you know, she's showing everyone the poor orphan girl has ability to rise to ranks. Now, this is where I was a little confused, because I, you know, I knew that Man-at-Arms was her father. So, I, I'm pretty sure, if my history, and I, I'm not going to look it up, but I knew, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Tila is Sorceress's daughter. And I always thought that that Duncan, the man-at-arms, was her father with the Sorceress. But it's sounding like, and again, whether they've changed it back then or whatever over the years, because I know some, some of the comics have kind of tweaked things a little bit, but it sounds like Tila, you know, Sorceress couldn't have a kid or couldn't, you know, wouldn't be able to protect her. She'd be a target or whatever. So I guess the idea is that Sorcerer or that Tila was an orphan and, and Man-at-Arms adopted her. And I, maybe he was never married or whatever. But I always got this feeling that, that Man-at-Arms and Sorceress were, like, romantically involved at one point. Or they had a crush on each other or whatever. Maybe things just didn't work out because of their, their duties and responsibilities. I don't know. But it feels like that man at arms isn't her natural father but he's you know he adopted her and raised her so we we have all that so then um the fake he-man turns out is faker and i totally forgot about faker being a character that again i haven't watched it in years 
So the sorcerer blasts his arm. So Faker is like, the, I guess, a robot or something like that. She blasts his arms off, but then they reattach. Evelyn is there too. So she was the other prisoner. Skeletor says that after all these years, he realizes that Grayskull isn't the prize he's after. He makes his staff appear, smashes it on the floor. The ground opens, and he says that the, the castle is just a shell. What he seeks is trapped inside. So he also has his army arrive. So I guess they were like hiding off in the distance or something like that. So then the question is, can Sorcerer stop him and his army at the same time? Back at the castle, Tila is about to be knighted. The king and queen comment how Man-at-Arms is beaming with pride. Um, the king said, this was kind of harsh. He, he, and Because I, I think Adam must have heard this or maybe heard this. But he's like, he's like, I hope I can feel that with Adam someday. So it's like, you know, he hopes that he can be proud of, of Adam. Because Adam's supposed to be a bumbling, you know, fool. So that's part of the identity. Then, uh... He-Man hears sorcerers calling out to him. Grayskull's under attack. So Adam tells Man-at-Arms. He calls out to the royal guards. Grayskull needs defending. He says to Tila, lead the way, Man-at-Arms. She raises her sword. For Eternia! Uh, Adam helps usher the people to the hall, uh, in the hall to safety. And then his mom looks back. She's like, be careful, Adam. It's like, hmm. Why is she telling Adam to be careful? He's just standing at the door saying, this way, people, this way. So does she know that he's He-Man? Adam sends Orko to Grayskull to help. You know, so I guess he can like teleport there or something like that. He raises his sword because everyone's gone, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power. He transforms Cringer into Battle Cat. Oh, the other thing is Cringer's voice. I, I It's just so different. It was fine. It just didn't seem right to me, but whatever. They head on out. Inside, uh, the, the Grayskull Faker is pounding on the Sorceress's force field. Then he gets, uh, I guess, like, he gets lasered in half by Man-at-Arms. And he asks if, if Sorceress are right, if they hurt her. Then he gets blasted. Evelyn says that, you know, he should be more concerned with his own safety. Orko manages to block her magic blast. Tila comes at her, slices her staff in half, and then she gets knocked out and slammed into a pillar. Man-at-Arms tells Tila to find Skeletor. He attacks her from behind. You're not a champion, just a cheerleader. Which, that's not how Skeletor sounds. He's about to blast her, and then He-Man and Cringer drop in. And then there's like a gasp. <laughs> Tila asks He-Man, is like, you know, where are they? Because, you know, where, where, where they're at. And he's like, they're in, in the heart of Grayskull. All the magic starts there, or something like that. Skeletor gets back up and says, it's going to be all his. Battlecat jumps to attack him, is blasted back. Evelyn somehow appears, even though she was just knocked out, I thought. Tila charges at her, dodging magic blasts. He-Man goes after Skeletor. Skeletor tries using magic. A blast bounces off the, the heart of Grayskull, whatever, and hits He-Man, knocks him down. He drops the sword. Skeletor tries going for it, but then this plant creature stops him and tells him to leave and never return. Skeletor sets him on fire, which is harsh. Um, I think that's one of the things that Kevin Smith said that, like, in the original one, no one ever got hurt, no one ever got stabbed, even though he's Key Man's got the sword or whatever. So he wanted to make things more brutal, I guess, which, again, makes sense. You know, make it a little more mature. Fine with that. I'm down with that. He Man um, stabs him, but then also puts a sword. Uh, he, so he stabs Skeletor, but the sword also goes into a slot in the Hall of Wisdom. So the Hall of Wisdom is like this kind of pyramid thing in, in the middle of, of this big big room surrounded by like, like plants and stuff like that. Evelyn heals him, but then the, 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 uh, so apparently the Hall of Wisdom is a storehouse for all the knowledge of the universe where the Council of Elders concentrated her powers into a magical orb. 
So to greedily protect um, all this, the, the elders created the illusion of Castle Grayskull and in order to like cancel the majestic of the Hall of Wisdom or something like that, He-Man and uh, Teal are just standing there as, you know, they, they hear all this, whatever. So it's like they're just listening to, you know, this, this whole spiel going Outside, Grayskull's appearance is falling, revealing the, the hall. So it's very bright and, and fancy castle, which, again, just seems wrong. Because, you know, we're used to Skelter being dreary with the skull and, and all that stuff like that. So Skelter says, after all these years, the secret of Grayskull will be his. He smashes the orb with his staff. He-Man stupidly just let him. You know, he's just standing there watching, and he just yells out, No! So suddenly, everyone is frozen except for Tila, of course. Sorcerer says that she's holding back time, but time is stronger than magic, so they have to hurry. Then He-Man, so He-Man apparently can move now too, but it seemed like he was frozen before. You know, He-Man asks if she can contain the blast, um, but Sorcerer says she's not strong enough. Um, by cracking the orb, Skeletor has unleashed a power that created Eternia and the entire universe. Again, okay. Uh, when the, this moment unfreezes, they'll only have seconds before all existence comes to an end. <laughs> Tila asks if they're all going to die. Then, you know, what, what's the point of bringing them all there? And Sorcerer says because she wanted to see her one last time. And Tila's like, me? He-Man interrupts because she was probably going to say, yes, my daughter, I wanted to see you. I'm assuming that's what she was going to say. But He-Man interrupts and he's like, what if I call on the power of Grayskull while already in this form and use a sword like a conduit to contain the blast? To me, that right there is is an amazing concept because, you know, He-Man calls on a power when he is Prince Adam. But what if He-Man... Cause it does it again. Will it cancel things out? Because I don't remember. Have we ever? How does He Man transform back to Adam? Do they have they shown that? I don't remember if they have. Maybe they they have whatever. But then Teal is like, "What do you mean in this form?" Because she has no idea. You know, she assumes He. And no one ever wonders like, where does He Man live? Does he live at Castle Grayskull? Where does he go? You know, whatever. But then source, you know, she just they ignore Teal. Source is like, "Yeah, it could work, but you would have to um, wield a sword." And uh, Tila says, the power of that much energy will kill anybody, even He-Man. So he says that if he doesn't do this, everybody dies. And the sorceress is like, we're out of time. She's like, I can't hold it back any longer. So he says, by the power of Grayskull, the, and then the sword splits in half. He grunts, um, he, it, it like kind of lights up. And Tila sees Battle Cat change back to Cringer. And Skeletor sees him change, and he's like, he's just a boy, and he's holding all the power in the universe in his bare hands. No, that power is mine. And then Tila watches, boom, poof, Adam and Skeletor are gone. And there's just like black smudge on the ground. Adam, He-Man, Skeletor, gone, dead. From this moment on, they're, they're gone. Even though the show, if you look at all the promo images, what do they show? They show He-Man and Skeletor. Yet they're like not hardly even in this series. And that's why people are angry. So Man-at-Arms tells the king and queen the bad news. During a battle of Skeletor, He-Man succumbed. The queen gasps and starts sobbing. She says, Randor, we've lost our son. And the king is like, what? No, Adam is fine. Isn't he, Duncan? And then, my lord, Prince Adam and He-Man. No, it can't be. So... The queen apparently knew she figured it out because she's no dum-dum. Again, this, what is this saying? This is saying that the queen is smart and savvy. The king is a dude and is a doof. 
he had no idea his son was He-Man. But his mom, being all wise and everything, she was able to figure it out. That's what we're, we're being told, in a sense. So uh, the king, is he's, he's upset. No, it can't be. And the man-at-arms, he's like, I'm sorry you had to find out like this. And he's like, the prince ordered us to, to keep it a secret. And the king tells him, get out. And then he yells. He's like, he strips him of his title. He banishes him from the palace forever. He's like, if I ever see you again, I'll have you executed. And Duncan's just like, as you wish, my liege. King tells Tila to get this disgraced man out of his sight, even though this disgraced man is her father in all intents and purposes. She drops her sword and says, she's like, no. And this is where she gets bratty. She's like, I am done with every one of you. And she looks at Duncan. She's like, you knew, didn't you? And you never said anything, not even to him, to King. And she's like, everybody I trusted since I was a child knew Adam was he-man i have laid my life on the line for every one of you but you're all a pack of liars and then uh and she, she and she's like and adam was no different and duncan's like that's enough she's like yeah that's enough enough of the lies the magic the monsters the enough of castle grayskull to last me a lifetime so she says she's done looking out for people who never tell her the truth he-man is gone skeletor is gone she takes off her headband things and drops it and now so am i and it's like, boo, freaking who, Tila? It's like, oh my gosh. And this is what would just, is so annoying. Never mind the fact that the king and queen lost her son. Never mind the fact that her best friend is dead. She is upset because she wasn't in on the secret. Okay, why wasn't she in on the secret? The same reason that Superman doesn't tell people that you know, or didn't don't don't get me started on on Brian Michael Bendis's DC's decision to have Superman reveal his identity. But it, basically, the idea was if you know because Prince Adam and Teela were like best friends growing up, if they knew that they were so close, that would make Teela a target. And yeah, Teela k- kicked a lot of butt in the original series. She could probably stand up for herself, but it just makes things unnecessary you know at risk puts a king and queen at more danger you know they're ready targets for being the king and the queen if, if it's like oh this is he-man's parents we're really going to try to take them out you know they're never going to be able to leave the castle or leave their their palace so it's just it's just it's really annoying that she is so upset and it's it's all about her because she didn't know the secret and yeah it would be a kind of a bummer if you you were like left in the dark, but there's a reason for it. And plus the fact she's mad at everyone. And this is what like the prince ordered this. This is what He-Man wanted. And but she's mad at everyone else. So it just seems like I don't I mean, like take what when Lois Lane found out about, you know, if you look at it originally or however many times you know Lois finds out Superman, you know, Clark Kent is Superman, she doesn't get pissed at him. She's not angry at him. For, and and I don't see it as lying. I think of it as just, I don't know, not telling the truth. So that, that's the whole thing. Is Superman a liar because he doesn't tell the world he's Clark Kent? I don't think that there's there's any reason. And I, I, I feel like I've had this argument when I was talking about Superman. But it's just like, um, if I secretly like, what what can I say? Let's say, okay, I, I say I've talked about this. I loved Full House, the original Full House growing up. But let's say I didn't want to tell anyone that. 
Does that make me a liar if I don't discuss it? That I'm just secret. I'm not a he- that big of a he- Full House fan, but I loved original Full House. I mean, let's say I never told anyone about that, and then it came out. Oh, Tony is like one of the biggest original Full House fans in the world. He's a liar for not telling. It's like no, I, I, you know, I'm not telling anyone because I wanted to protect childhood Tony, and people think that he just sat home Friday nights watching Full House. I, I mean, it just it's it seems like a bit much, but again, I'm dwelling too 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 far on on this. Uh, I, I don't. I tap my toes to Abba. That's something I don't think I've ever talked about. I love SOS. I loved when Pierce Bronson sang SOS in the Mamma Mia movie because you know my my wife and daughter love Abba. You know the Swedish connection, all that stuff. I never. I don't think I have ever mentioned that I love SOS. That I will sing it if I am, if I hear it, and there's not a whole lot of people around. See, no. It's I, does that make me a liar because I never t- professed my my love for SOS, or knowing me, knowing you. Anyways, episode two, <laughs> the poison chalice. I got to go faster in this because thirty minutes. I've only talked about one minute, one episode. All right, episode two. Two masked people search through garbage. We see Stinkor. What are they fighting over? So some time has, has passed since the first episode. It's Tila and someone else. Um, she says that she knows him from her her old life. Tila now has a haircut. She has like an undercut or whatever. So it's like kind of short in the back and everything like that. And again, I maybe I need to go back and watch the first episode. I really don't want to. But I feel like she has buffed up more. And it's just like, okay, Tila, you've been working out. Great. So she she found some this glove of globular so I forget what it was or whatever and uh, you know magic items are at a premium because magic has left Eternia so her friend's name is Andra which I wasn't crazy about this character again I can appreciate the fact yes let's make another female character because there are so few I just she didn't do anything for me it's like okay but whatever I understand why. They, they create her. She's a tech, quote unquote, wizard. You know, she's really into technology and stuff like that. So there's this other, this whatever lady offers them a job to steal. You know, when they return to goblet thing, just, there's this older lady like in a cloak and she offers them a job to steal this goblet from Snake Mountain. And uh, Tila is, uh, she's like, okay. So she's, she's ready to go. She wants to go to Snake Mountain. At Snake Mountain, we get a flashback to Tila and He-Man. They're fighting Whiplash. It's like a reptile tailed dude or whatever. And then there's like some new tech security outside. So Tila's plan is to dig under the security door to the shaft. Because, you know, we see in the flashback that they fell in the shaft or whatever. So she knows it's there. She tells Andro when they get there, she's like, oh, they've redecorated. Because there's a lot more tech inside Castle Grayskull. Does not look like the castle gray skull that we've seen before it's like all these like computers and weird you know stuff cables and everything someone inside is ranting about flesh being weak weak drink from the cup and save yourself blah 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 so it turns out it's triclops he's trying to convert people trap jaws by his side they call um triclops the holy one and they're, they're they go on like you know we make your mediocre flesh ready for the digital embrace of motherboard so he has a dude drink some funky stuff or whatever. He starts cr- screaming and starts turning into tech. His eyeball like pops out <laughs> like on this metal tentacle. It's something you would never see in original or whatever. And uh, and his hand like <laughs> turns into a buzzsaw. <laughs> Tila and Andra get ready to move. 
So she's going to make a distraction while Andra gets the cup. Triclops says the defeat of Skeletor made them see the error of their way. So magic is an empty promise of false god. The true power of Eternia has been man's master of technology. And and again, this it was like at this point when I look at Teal, I was like, she looks a lot, you know, her arms look bigger. It's like she's been working out. Again, I don't know why I'm just glomming, glamming to this one. Triclops has his people attack Tila. Uh, the new guy's eye starts choking Tila, like it goes around her neck and everything like that. Andra throws like a special throwing star at him, and she manages to get the cup. They make their escape, and they're followed by these metal, you know, flying things. Okay, then <laughs> we find out the cloak lady or the cloak lady appears behind them in town, and she pays them, and she asks if they want to finish the job, help her deliver the goblet, and she'll pay him again. So Tila like deliver it where. And uh, she's like, what say you to completing the set with Grayskull? And then the lady asks Tila, she ever wonders what she left behind? And Tila's like, I'm done wondering. And, you know, she did what, she, you know, she did find what she was looking for at Snake Mountain. It was a reminder of why they failed. You know, what were they ever fighting for? Stories, lies, or whatever. Andra's interested in going. Uh, and uh, Tila, you know, she's like, maybe Tila's out of the hero business, but this could be her chance to mean something. So Andra, you know, she wants to try to, you know, do something. Tila says that, you know, she does mean something to her as herself. And at first, at this point, I'm like, are they going to try to, are they trying to pair up Tila and Andra as a couple? I don't think that was ever the case. Cause I think, uh, Tila, I don't know if she had a crush on Adam or He-Man or maybe both, or I don't know, maybe it was He-Man, but Adam was her friend. And maybe that's why she's angry and confused. I don't know. But Tila says, uh, um, or Andra says that, you know, she doesn't trust the lady either, but she wants, if she wants something to do with Grayskull, maybe they should check it out. So outside the new shiny castle Grayskull, the three of them are there. They're standing. Tila says that after the final battle, the king decreed the castle a forbidden zone, which is like, you're just so angry or whatever. But I guess that's what, you know, if you're in power, that's what you can do. So they're breaking the law just by being there. The lady walks into the castle, so they have to follow. Inside, Sorceress stands at the center where the Hall of Wisdom thing was. She has like a tiny bit of light magic between her hands, and she definitely looks older. Uh, the lady even says so. Tila and Andra follow. Tila says, I think it's time you told us what you really want, Evil Lynn. So the cloak lady was really evil in. She laughs, holds up the cup, which turns into Skeletor's staff skull thing. Wow. I don't know how, whatever. Um, she takes uh, the magic from Sorceress's hand. And Antila says, she's like, you're hurting her. And she throws a spear at her back. Cringer jumps and intercepts it. It's like, what? He says, they don't have time for all this fighting. And Evelyn, she says that you know she made uh, the wretched journey to strengthen your sorcerer with, with whatever little magic remains, whatever, in that, that, that staff or something like that. Tila, she's like, I don't believe your lies. She's like, why should I believe that you would help the sorceress? And the sorceress says, because I asked her to, to save the last ember of true magic left in Eternia. And Evelyn holds up her staff and asks the sorceress if she trusts her with it or something like that. Sorceress says that she trusts that their interests are aligned. If the ember goes out, the last of Eternia's magic is gone. So she has to guard it with her life. She raises the staff, starts talking or taking in the magic. Sorceress um, turns even older, it looks like. And, and she's not wearing her outfit anymore. She's wearing like this white like dress, little slip almost. Cringer says that, uh, whether you serve Grayskull or Snake Mountain, they have to work together or Eternia dies. 
Evelyn says that, you know, magic gave birth to Eternia. It was the first planet in all of creation. It's a nexus of time and space. So the, the sword of power is what binds that magic to Eternia. But now the sword is gone. So is the magic. So um, Eternia is going to die. As Eternia goes, the entire universe is going to die too. Sorcerer tells Tila that the only way to bring magic back is to call the power of Grayskull. But to do that, she'll need the, the power sword. Tila's like, it was destroyed in the, the final battle. And Sorcerer's like, no, it was divided. Legend says that it was made of two ancient blades of steel, one forged in the Hall of Heroes in Preternia, the other in Subternia. When the sword absorbed absorbs all the magic and exploding orb of power, it broke into its twin halves and returned to the realms in which they were forged. So Tila has to find the two halves, use the embers of magic, whatever, to unite them. And Tila's like, she's like, I chose a life away from magic and now you want me to save magic? It's like, dude, are you not listening? The entire universe, all of creation is going to die and stop being so selfish and worrying about, you know, your boohoo, whatever. Sorcerer's like, yes, because you have a special and Tila interrupts her. She's like, don't you, because she's probably going to say you have a special connection because you are my daughter, she's probably going to say. But she interrupts her and and she's like, don't you understand? I am done with all of this. And she looks at the stain where like Adam died. Let this crumbling castle keep its dead and let all their selfish secrets die with them. I was like, oh my God. I'm like, if I could, I'd bang my head against a wall or something like that if it, if it wouldn't hurt. So she starts walking away. Cringer walks up to her as she lives. She's like, do you remember who named me Cringer? She's like, it was you. I was just a little fraidy cat scared of my own shadow. And when you were taking care of me, you started calling me Cringer. And he says that, you know, it was with good reason. He's like, we may show it in different ways, but I recognize what you're feeling right now. You're not angry. You're scared. You're scared because you're just now realizing that Adam trusted you with all of this. And you're scared that you're going to let him down. She says that it turns out she barely knew Adam. It's like, oh my God, get over it. How much time has passed? And she's still dwelling on this. And she says to him, she's like, you knew who he really was. Cringer's like, so did you. He was really your best friend. Do you think Adam would have made the sacrifice he did? Or knowing that you'd be here to protect Eternia when he was gone? It's like, he trusted you more than his secret. He trusted you with Eternia itself. It's like, you didn't know his secret, but you knew his heart. So ask yourself, what would Adam want you to do? And then she puts her head to his and she's like, good kitty. Andra's ready to go to the land of the dead. Evelyn says there's no way she's letting you children do this alone. And Tila says that there's someone else they'll need. And she knows only one weapons master on the entire planet with the skills to reforge the sword of power. So cut to the woods and we see someone with a cloak on, which is probably obviously man at arms. Okay, episode three. I got to go faster, right? Uh, the most dangerous man in Eternia. So we get a flashback. We see He-Man and Teela are captured. Uh, it says that, you know, makes sense that Skelter has, res- they're like on his pirate ship. It makes sense that he's resorted to being a pirate since his face is on her flag. <laughs> Skelter says that he and Merman have formed an unholy alliance against him. They're taking him down into the water. Then Man at Arms shows up in a water mask and with this like engine thing, whatever, starts blasting. They land back on the ship. They start fighting. So thanks to Man at Arms, you're all wet, Skeletor. <laughs> Andra asks, like, did he really say that? They're cutting their way through some woods, and Evelyn says that Man-at-Arms is the most dangerous man in Eternia. So, I mean, that's some good praise coming from her. Talks about, um, she talks about having feelings for the dangerous man, but they're not capable of reciprocating. So it's like, 
Evil Lynn has a crush on, on him. So that that's like interesting. Teela tells Andra not to take life advice from her or something like that. And then Evil Lynn says that she's not the only one carrying a torch, is she? So I'm probably talking about Teela and He-Man. In a town, there's this long line to collect drops of water from like this like little thing. Um, an old man trips and spills his water and like plants start growing in the ground. Everyone starts yelling at him. It's like, there's hardly any enchanted water left. And he's like spilling a cup of it, whatever. A cloak man stops his dude from attacking the old man. And it turns out it's Duncan. Then Triclops and Trapjaw come with their acolytes to stop the heresy. It's like, dude, you were just doing all this stuff at Snake, but now you're coming here or whatever. So they, they want to destroy the fountain, um, attacking people, whatever. but then Duncan starts fighting them. I don't know if we're supposed to know it's him because he's still cloaked, but obviously, you know, it, it's him. Andre manages to shut down Trapjaw's laser cannon thing. Evil in attacks. Tila starts fighting. Soon, they're all bound by metal cables um, from, like, the, the hooded people, from the Acolytes people, whatever. Um, someone starts attacking them, and it turns out it's Beastman. He's taken down the Acolytes. He attacks Triclops. And he's like, all those eyes and you still couldn't see me coming. So he's, he's basically like, anyone attacks her, Evil Lynn, makes an enemy of me. So then they all leave. So Teela goes up to the cloak dude. She's like, I'm impressed. You handled yourself well when you defended that old man. And he's like, an old man is a subject I know a bit about. So Teela's surprised. Duncan? It's like, you had no idea. Okay, but we all knew that. So he gets down on a knee and he takes her hand. He's like, my sun and my moon, I beg your forgiveness. I'm sorry I kept so many secrets from you for so long. If you give me another chance, I swear to you, I'll... And an inner evil in interrupts saying they don't have time for this. So he was probably going to say, I'll tell you that sorceress is your mother, right? But evil in interrupted him. So they tell him they need his skills as man at arms. They need him to reforge a sword of power. He's like, oh, is that all? But then he reminds Tila that if he so much as wields two pieces of metal, he can be executed. He says that he lost his rank by royal decree, but if he doesn't get his cup of water back, he's going to lose a friend. So it's like, what, does he have like a plant that he's trying to keep alive or something like that? But then at his place, we see Orko lying in bed. He's in bad shape. Tila wonders, how, it's like, how did this happen? Evelyn says that since they lost magic... The, the mages like her and the little buffoon have been hit the hardest. The king and queen um, sent him away after Prince Adam, after He-Man, you know, whatever. He he starts crying, uh, you know, talking about this. Tila hugs him and asks if he still misses him. And he's like, every day. Um, Evelyn says, again, they don't have time for this. Will the disgraced man at arms help them? And he's like, sorry. He's like, my world-saving days are behind me. Walks out of the room. Tila follows and asks, she's like, what about your responsibility to Eternia? And he says that he was responsible for Prince Adam, but he's not here, is he? She's like, you know, you haven't changed. She's like, you're still the broken old man who only cares about the royal family, not yourself. Someone um, walks in and says, that's not true. And it's Roboto, which I don't really remember him too much. He says, family can be a lot of things, Tila. He's like, the surrogate daughter you raise like your own, the surrogate son you built to be the best version of yourself, the fearless friend who trusts you with his secrets, even the imp from another dimension. Family is what you make of it. Duncan says that as much as he loves her, he can't abandon this family. He's like, you know, and then Orko comes in the room. He's like, he says that he can't. He's like, I want to... Uh, he well, he wants to go with them. Evelyn's like, out of the question. Tila says that they're going to go to the land of the dead, and he should sit this one out. Orko pleads. He says that you know he had the, the best times of his life was with her. Um, life is what he needs now, but it's out there. So he's like, you know, take him with her like she used to. He promises he won't let her down like before. 
And she's like, even if you go, Duncan is the only one who can forge the swords. Roboto asks, she's like, what about someone with his memories? And Duncan asks Roboto, he's like, are you a fool? And Roboto says, if he is, they're a pair of fools since uh, a younger Duncan is the one that built him. So he's only doing what he would have done. So he operates off his memory, so he should know how to forge the Sword of Power too. Duncan says that if they're both going, then he's following his family. So he grabs his helmet, which he was being used as like a fruit bowl. But then Teal is like, no. She's like, Roboto can forge a sword. You have to go to Grayskull. <laughs> and he says that he knows that she's mad at him, but Rander decreed. Teela interrupts. She says the sorceress is dying. And, you know, the sorceress only has Cringer to protect her. And if Triclops is tearing down magical totems, how long until he goes after Grayskull? Duncan says that, you know, he said no more secrets and there's something else he has to tell her. The sorceress is your mother, but evil in interrupts again. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, we don't have any time for, for more family feuds. Does evil in know? Does like everyone know except for Tila? And, you know, she just, <laughs> it just it just keeps happening. <laughs> the magic orb is burning at half of what it was yesterday. Duncan says, uh, you know, he's like, OK, story for another time. Tila says that she doesn't know what she feels about the past. He, he puts out or she puts out her hand and she's like, if you want to make it up to me, save the sorceress, dad. Here's the thing. You know, we could have had the most dangerous man in Eternia going on this mission. But no, he gets sidelined to just sit around the castle and protect sorcerers. Yes, that is an important job. But if there may be no threat at this point, you know, it's, it's only until Triclops decides to go there. But that's a way. Get him off the board because we just want... Uh, Tila, Andra, and Evelyn. Okay, we can take Orko. We can take Beastman. Um, the others sail past these like crystal formation. Evelyn takes off her headpiece, and she has like long white flowing hair that, that comes out of like her hair. I I never even thought about Evelyn's hair. I mean, I guess I just always assumed it was like black hair, and maybe it was black before, and maybe the lack of magic made her hair white and everything. But it's just like whoa! It's like Evelyn. That is that you? So she says that she was a fool following Skeletor, that you know she could have been a master of the universe and ruled, uh, and but then they're being followed. Something's following him in the water. Orko talks to Andra about how he's forgotten more than he remembers, and he says that if she's going to live the life of an adventurer, keep a journal, write it all down, because after it's all over, that's what you're left with, good friends and memories. Then there's a loud crash. It's the Aqua, Aquaticans or something like that. They um, blow up one of the ship's engines. They jump onto the ship and surround them. Finally, Merman appears. He's like all scarred up and everything like that, like an old He-Man toy. Evelyn demands that he lets them go. After Skeletor dies, he says that they could have ruled Eternia, um, she with the land and him with the sea, but without you know, Skeletor's raging ego and no He-Man standard away. They could have taken control, but no, she forgot all about Merman. Now she'll never forget Merman. Roboto sees Duncan coming from behind. It's like, wait, I thought he was going to Castle Grayskull. Uh, so he shoots some rockets at them, starts uh, taking out the others, pew, 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 all the stuff. Um, he takes out most of the Aquaticans. Merman is taken down. Beastman wants to get rid of him, but Duncan says that he could be of use guiding them. Tila, she's like, I told you to go to Grayskull. And he said, but I told you I love you. And she smiles. Evelyn tells Merman that they offer a trade. If he gets them to the gates of Subternia, they'll return him to the deep. If he refuses, he'll rot till the sun, or he'll rot in the sun till even the seagulls won't eat him. So he summons big waves that carries him to a shore. 
because their engine is busted. Orko says that magic must be stronger there because he's feeling more like his old self. Evelyn says that means a power sword they seek is nearby. They let Merman go, and he's like, the sea never forgets Evelyn, and neither do I. Duncan tells Tila to get in and out as fast as, as she can. Nothing stays living in there for long. He puts out his hand to her, and she looks at it, and she gives him a big hug. It's like, okay, nice. Thank you, Tila, for not being a complete jerk. He starts crying, and then Duncan leaves for Grayskull. So now he's gone. But see, again, if it wasn't for him, their goose would be cooked. Their geese would be cooked. Whatever. There's this big uh, black pillar thing, which I guess is the gate, whatever. There's a body with no head sitting there. So it's like, how do they open the gate? Evelyn tells him to stand back, and she puts the Skeletor staff thing on top. Nothing happens, but then the place starts shaking. The eyes light up, like turn green. The tower thing starts to rise, and then there's like this hole with kind of like a, a square spiral staircase. Tila says that she has to go, but she understands that they don't want to. But of course, they're all going to go. Evelyn hesitates. She takes the skull and walks down, and then the pillar thing goes down and seals them in there. But it's like, wait, how are they going to get out now? So then at this point, I'm like, wait, is Evil Lynn going to turn on them? Because she is evil. She's Evil Lynn. But we'll have to see. So that's where episode three ends. Okay, episode four, Land of the Dead. They walk through some dark caverns. They see a glowing green light. Suddenly, Teal is all alone. Evelyn and Orko are in Trolla, which is like Orko's home. So it's like, how'd they get there? He says it's like, uh, or she says it's like a sub subterranean illusion or something like that. But where are the others? So maybe um, somebody at the Academy of Magic can help them. So, you know, they see it there. They're going to go inside. Beastman is with Andra and Roboto. They're like in this ba barren wasteland. There's like all these skeletal bodies. Andra asks Roboto to turn up his optical sensors. And he says that they're nowhere and there's no other life forms detective detected around them but then these three beasts are up on this ridge even though they're not you can't detect them tila continues walking she's following like all these green glowing lights on the path or whatever and she ends up in the middle of a room a voice like ah at last so much anger making so much fear so i was like is it skeletor he's like uh she's like not quite but i remember that name shadow of a ruler now ruler of shadows so i guess it's him but he looks weird without his hood up so you just see like the skull head so it looks like you know he has the half of the sword um but then he pulls it out of uh tila's reach he's like i will give you what you seek tila in exchange for your fear so it's like he's living on fear now so he's like uh he's like show it to me nourish me with your delicious fear and she's like i don't fear anything and Skeletor is like, oh, you are dripping with it. Reveal your fear and I'll give you what you came for. And she's like, all right. So she'll show her fear in exchange for the half and for safe passage for her and her companions. Skeletor, he snaps his fingers. He's like, done. A bright light appears and then she's floating over like a jagged pit. And he tells her to enter the well of darkness, survive her demons and she can claim her prize. Otherwise, spend eternity there with him. And then she drops down. Evelyn and Orko are walking inside a library. There's like the, the, the spell spring, whatever's in there. It's a never-ending source of troll and magic. They're life force, but it's dry. Everyone's gone. The place is empty. There's like spider webs. And so he's wondering, is he the last trollin in the universe? And then he tells, he starts talking. He's, he says his name really isn't Orko. And I was like, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Um, he, he says it sort of is. When he was born, his parents gave him a name of honor that would match the level of greatness that he'd one day achieve. 
but when you're little, some words are hard to pronounce. He says he said Orco when he really meant and an evil and continue or finishes Oracle. She's like, they called you Oracle. He says, all knowing, all powerful, no pressure, right? Magic came easy to the other younglings, but he kept messing up. So then Orko just kind of stuck. His parents were probably happy it did because Oracle would have made people laugh at him more than they already did. So he says that he, he was uh, the least of them, and now he's the last. Evelyn's, she's like, you have to fight for everything they won't give you. Your enemies, yes, but especially your friends. When they say you're weak, it's because they don't understand how even the tiniest measure of strength can fill an entire universe. To them, it's sorcery. To me, and as she holds up the staff and light pours out and it kind of sparkles down on, on them, it's magic. Orko asks if he can ask her a personal question and she's like, no, they didn't call me evil. I added that part later. And then he just kind of chuckles and then they both laugh. So I guess her name really is just Lynn. And then she just put evil Lynn in there. So uh, then there are like these creepy whispers and, and Troll and shadows start coming out and they go into the fountain and then this giant beast forms, you know, from all the shadow. Evil Lynn holds up her staff and it goes out and she's like, ah, bollocks. <laughs> Which I never thought I'd hear her say that. So they start running. Tila wakes up on the ground. Um, she gets up. Uh, she yells as she's waiting. Then He-Man appears. He has red eyes. He pulls his sword. She extends her staff. And then he charges at her. Andra, meanwhile, is shooting zombies. Um, the others are fighting too. Roboto unnecessarily apologizes. Like, Excuse me. Sorry. As, as he's like shooting them. So it's like, I guess that's supposed to be funny. I don't know. Roboto says that they are shadow beasts, but unlike any they've encountered, and they seem to be reacting to Andra's fear. Evelyn and Orko are still running in the library. The beast is about to smash um, Evelyn, but Orko pushes her out of the way, so he like saves her. Tila um, and He-Man, he says that he's waited a long time for this. He keeps charging at her. He starts taunting her about not trusting her, and she says that you know he did during every battle. You know, he did trust her. And he's like, but she never really knew him. And she's like, you're not real. The fight continues. He finally punches her in the gut. And he says that he has the power because she surrenders it. And I think they said something about, you know, most people fear being ordinary, but, you know, she's just the opposite. So he turns into Tila in her old outfit and hairstyle. And, uh, you know, she fears being ordinary when deep down she knows that she's much so much more. So he's, she says that, you know, it doesn't control her. She owns her power, her strength, her hope, or even her fear. And she's, you know, Skelter says they made a deal. And she's, she says the only power there is the power he gave her, the power to manifest her fears and control them to own them. The others are winning as well. Tila starts glowing with power. The sword appears in her hand and Skelter's like, what are you? And she's like, I'm your worst nightmare. Um <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Yay, Tila. <laughs> they are they're all reunited. They see Tila climb over a ridge with the sword. Evelyn asks for the sword and um she says that you know it's half the sword. You know, does she need, know how to even know how to find the other half? So Evelyn uh rubs it on her glow staff, the globe staff thing, whatever. It glows with the purple light and she uses it to write some glyphs on the wall and she says to guide them to the saber's mate. So this doorway opens up in the wall, and I guess it's Preternia, and Tila's like, how? Orko says that with the last bit of magic she can muster, you know, because they're the good guys now, no one is born evil. 
Skeletor is like trying to force them to stay. The, the the ground grabs a foot of each of them and like stalactites start falling. Orko catches them, forces them at Skeletor. Um, he uses magic to block Skeletor's big magic blast, whatever. Um, he manages to drive drive it back to Skeletor. Evil Lin says that he can't do it alone. And uh, she tries blasting too, but passes out. Beastman carries her through the doorway. Skeletor fights to reach Orko. He's like, demon be gone. Go back to your shadow. Um, Orko, then Orko's gone. It's like, wait, what? The doorway closes and a piece of Orko's staff flutters through. So Evelyn says that she tried to save him. And Tila's like, not hard enough. It should have been you. And she's like, the alliance was a mistake, one I can easily fix. And then she extends her staff when a voice calls calls out to her. So I guess it's, it's is it Adam? And he says softly, by the power of Grayskull. So Orko basically saves them. Evil Lynn tried you know, saving Orko and everything like that. But then Tila's like going off on Evil Lynn. Episode 5, The Forge at the Forest of Forever. So Adam carves on some stone to make a memorial for Orko. And he's like, you were loyal. Tila puts a uh, piece of scarf down and says, you were kind. And then Evil Lynn puts down her helmet. She's like, you were a fool. Adam looks into the woods and asks, can you give him a little piece of home? And uh, so wind whooshes in. The grass around the marker starts to turn red. And it's like strange flowers grow, whatever. So he says the forest is a friend. And he's like, thanks, Moss Man. So I guess Moss Man is there because maybe he's dead. Evelyn looks into her sphere, hears some whispers, and says that they need to go home now. Adam says that if they want the sword, it's theirs. He reaches into the back of his shirt and pulls it out somehow. It's like, wait, how could it was a sword in the back of his shirt? And there's no bulge or no sign of it, whatever. But then um, he says, you can even ask the, the mighty hero himself to reforge it. And they're like, who? Andre's like, he's here too? And Adam says, for all of Eternia, just like, you know, just like us or whatever. And the door to Preternia only opens one direction. Andre says, you mean we're trapped in heaven? Adam says to think of this place as a walled garden. They were only able to enter because Subternia, it shares one of the walls with, with them. So he's like, so yes, you're trapped here. And then um, he thinks he knows how to get them out, but he says he'll need Tila's help. Tila gives a sword to Roboto and asks him to make them a power sword. Adam and Tila walk. He asks if they're going to talk about it. And you know, he, he's like, you know, why why did she come here? Why does she need the sword? And she's like, You're not gonna begrudge me a secret, are you? He man. He says he didn't want her to find out that way. And she's like, You didn't want me to find out at all. And, you know, so she's not even happy to see him or anything like that. She's just, she's still holding on to all this bitterness. He says, um, sure, she says, she's like, just tell me your plan. And he points to, like, Grayskull Tower. He's like, if there's a way to Eternia, it'd be there. So Tila's like, well, why are we hiking away from it? Adam says that they have to see the man himself. She's like, Grayskull, the mythical man? Adam's like, oh, he's real enough. And today's a day at a big hunt. So the others bring the sword to some like doofy guy and Andra asks them if they know who he is. So he's hero, um, he, you know, the Eternian legend, whatever. He fought the horde invaders and defended the free people right besides King Grayskull. He's holding the, the two halves. Um, he just tries to clink him together, but like no luck. Uh, he says that they were, it, it was made by Troll and Mage Smiths thousands of years ago. And it's not like a trifling thing that, you know, whatever. Roboto says that he can fire the blade. His heart is a quark collider. 
And Hero asks, but what could contain it? And Andra looks around. She's like, well, the palace we're in, she's like, the walls are made of Eternium, right? She says if they're going to turn, uh, she's, or she says they're going to turn the whole damn tower into a forge. Adam and Teela now are on the, the flying discs or whatever. And he's like, remember this? They catch up to the other hunters. So there's a bunch of like warriors like on this hunt. They um, get to the front to Grayskull. And now Grayskull, he's black. But I think we've seen Grayskull in a comic or something like that. And he wasn't black, but okay. Um, again, that's that's good because there are no there's no diversity in, in Eternia. Uh, they call Adam Flea Man because he's small. They he says or they say that they chose their own forms there, but no one has ever chosen their lesser half until Adam. They make a fire to celebrate. Tila talks to Gray Skull about what went down. Gray Skull was the first champion. They named a castle after him. He says there's a gate at his tower that could maybe take them back. And Adam's like, well, why have you never used it? Gray Skull's like, we're dead. It would be unnatural. And he's like, I, you know, I used to fear death, but now he realizes death is only the beginning. So why would he ever leave this place? And Teela just like walks off again. Somehow they got a lot of machinery and giant cables to turn the, the tower into a forge. Like where did all this stuff come from? If they're like in heaven, Evelyn uh, sends a tiny bit of magic that she borrowed from Grayskull into Roboto. He admits to Hero that he's not sure he can handle the power. So he says, like, you know, please get the others to a safe distance. Tila standing alone. Adam comes up to her. She tells him to stop being nice. You know, she's trying to be angry. Um, you know, he doesn't know what he did to her. She couldn't mourn her friend because she didn't know who he was. It's like, shut up. Adam says that it was always him. He-Man was just. And then she's like, he-Man didn't hurt me. You did. And, you know, she couldn't even scream at him for it because he was gone. He exclaims, he's like, I died. He's like, what do you expect? And she's like, yeah. And the rest of us ha had to live with it. <laughs> oh, my God. Adam says that he needs to know why she came. And she's like, don't ask me that, please. He says that um, she's hurting or she's sick. You know, did something happen to magic in Eternia? And she's like, why? What do you know? And Adam says, Tila, there's something. And then she cuts him off again. She's like, I don't want to hear it. So he was going to say something about it. So if she doesn't want to hear it, then she has to stop complaining about people keeping secrets. They're tr Everyone's trying to tell her something. <laughs> so she says that they, they can't change what happened. She just needs to get back to Eternia with the sword of power. He asks why. Why does she need it? They saved the world, didn't they? And you know she says telling him would break his heart. Adam says that he can go back. And Tila's like, like Grayskull said, this is paradise. Why would you ever leave? And she walks away again. The the wind blows, and it turns out Moss Man was listening because you know he how could he he can't couldn't help it whatever. So he, they talk, I guess. So if he goes back to Eternia, paradise isn't so easy to attain, and he might not ever be able to return. So he would end as mortals do in the dirt. But I, I don't agree with that. You know, if this is supposed to be like some gift, whatever, if he goes back at He-Man and continues doing big heroic things, why wouldn't he earn the right to be there again? I don't know. Roboto's still hammering the sword. He holds up half, raises the second half to spark and lights and stuff like that. Tila arrives at the tower. Adam tells her to wait. Inside is filled with lights and energy. Roboto puts the halves together. Um, there's a warning. His core is in danger. The sword is complete shines bright and there's an explosion um inside 
there's you know there's fire or whatever. Roboto was caught in a blast. Tila sees the sword hanging there. Roboto lost an arm and legs. Andra's looking sad. He looks at Tila and says, Tila, please tell father he was more successful than he planned. If I was just a machine, I wouldn't be able to fear death. So he feels fear now. And Tila's like, no, Duncan can fix you. It's like, uh, he says that he can feel the fear, ego, he can feel. So he was no mere machine. He was a miracle. And he's like, what a way to go. And then he's dead. Grayskull... Um, turns a knob in this other place, whatever the lights start to shimmer. Tila carries a sword wrapped up. She says, you know, she gets it's time to go. And Adam's like, no, he's like, if I remain here, who will call down the power of Grayskull? Hero says that they were champions before Adam and there will be champions after. So he has to lay the burden down. He, and he says, you know, Orko and Roboto gave their lives for the mission. So no one else, he's like, no one else dies. So whatever she's not telling him about Eternia, they'll face it together. Uh, Grayskull tells him that if he goes with him, there's no coming back. I don't agree with that. Whatever. How does? Why would Grayskull know the rules and the, the logic, the physics of this, you know, paradise? This is his great reward. Why can't he earn another great reward? He turns to Tila. He's like, "I go where you go," and she's surprised, and then she smiles. They walk through the portal. Adam is attacked by a cloaked tech person. Beastman saves him. The others are fighting. The other tech um, cloaked people. More approach and flying crafts. Duncan stands on top of Castle Grayskull and starts shooting. He sees Tila's back and he swings down, gives her a hug. He says that that they'll, they'll be back. You know, the raids come every few hours. And he says he'll die before he lets any of them lay their filthy hands on her. And he sees... Then you hear, I know a thing or two about dying. And he's like, Adam? Cringer sees him too, jumps on him, knocks him down, starts licking his face. Tila fills Adam in on the sword, getting split and taking all the magic back to Preternia and Subternia. Now that it's reforged, the sword is a conduit again. So um, to call back the power. Adam sees sorcerers. Cringer says that he can bring it all back by saying the magic words. They head down to uh, where the Hall of Wisdom thing was. Adam walks up, pulls out the sword, says, By the power of Grayskull. Lightning comes down, portal opens, sorceress floats up. The pyramid thing, um, pyramid, whatever hall thing starts closing. Flowers are blooming. Evil's evil in sphere starts glowing. The castle takes its old skull form. Triclops retreats. And then uh, the skeletor ram skull thing floats out of Evelyn's bag. Adam yells, I have the... And then there's a squelching sound and blood comes out of his mouth. He was impaled from behind by Skeletor. He takes the sword and kicks Adam down. Skeletor raises the sword. He apologized to Evelyn for keeping her in the dark. He says that when he was destroyed by the orb explosion, he was forced to seek refuge in her wand staff to protect his essence. He's like, you did good, Linny. It totally sounds like Joker. He's like, now take your rightful place at my side. She looks at the others and she thinks and she sighs. She's like, I was really starting to like you kids. She walks towards Skeletor. Andra says, she's like, you don't have to do this. Evelyn sends a like a, a ring, energy ring around that binds her. He raises a sword. By the power of Grayskull, I have the power. Now I, Skeletor, am master of the universe. And you see this big giant form appear above Castle Grayskull. And that's where it ends. So it looks like they killed He-Man again. Prince Adam died. He comes back just, just to get, get killed. But apparently it's been spoiled. You know, he, he's not dead again. He's, he's going to survive somehow. 
and he'll probably get the, the sword back, he'll get the power back, bring magic back, save Sorceress, save Eternia, and defeat Skeletor. Somehow. But there you go. So that that has been way too long about uh, he, Masters of the Universe Revelation. But... Uh, so, I, I, again, my, my, I wouldn't have that much of an issue with Tila's elevated role, but the fact that she is so annoying. And again, yeah, she is right to be upset and hurt, but it's just like, dude, there's so much, when there's so much other stuff, she is being selfish when it's like all of Eternia, all of the universe is at stake, and she is just concerned because she is upset that she, they didn't tell her secret. So like everyone knew the secret but her, and it wasn't even everyone. So she's just she's just pouting because she didn't get to share the secret. Oh my goodness! So um, I have no idea when the the next whatever the second half starts, but we'll have to wait and see. Because I, I don't even think they've announced it. So because again, maybe they're tweaking things. I don't know. Probably not. But that's that's my jokey idea that they're they're gonna try to give he-man a bigger role okay then uh the first movie feature is batman the long halloween part two so uh this is available digitally it comes out on blu-ray on august 10th so next week um so you can check that out so i'm not going to spoil the whole thing but again you know you may have watched the movie already i know some i have talked to a couple people who have watched it and said they really enjoyed it and you know there's cool stuff happening so again you can watch it i'm not going to go through the whole thing i'll just go through like, like i do i'll go through like the beginning whatever um it starts off you know continuing from the other movie it, it, there's more tim sale art in the opening credits which i think is, is cool and everything even though the art styles are so different um we see bruce staring at the sunset uh poison ivy's there takes his hand smooch and then um, she takes out a pen and he's like, again? And then his eyes glow green. So he's really sitting in his study. He's signing uh, over property and stuff to Carmine Falcone. And then uh, she summons him to her. She's like, here he says he can't resist her. They embrace. And she's like, no man can. And they're surrounded by vines. So then it's like Valentine's Day. There's another killing. You see the gun with like the the bottle nipple, whatever. Jim and, and Harvey send out, you know, they turn on the bat signal, but there's no answer. And then it's St. Patrick's Day, another killing. Jim turns on the signal again, nothing. April 1st, April Fool's Day, Olive Wayne Manor is like covered in vines. Alfred comes in. He must be under her spell too. A more stock exchange form signed for Carmine. Then the papers start to flutter in the wind. Catwoman jumps in and tells Mr. Wayne that he's done enough. Vines start attacking Catwoman. And then uh, the vines around Bruce loosen as uh, Poison Ivy focuses on Selina. Um, she uh, maintains control again. Catwoman knocks her down. Bruce grabs Catwoman and flings her. He grabs her by the throat and she starts slashing at him to like to get the vines off around his neck. Ivy feels a pain of the vines as they get shredded or something like that. Bruce falls. Ivy attacks some more. Catwoman manages to knock her down. Alfred's vine with withers as well. Alfred... Um, he says that he'll he'll wake the lawyers and Bruce tells Selena that he said he didn't want a partner and she says that well you know he sure wanted one these past three months he's like three months so we had like Bruce Wayne was under Poison Ivy's spell for three months and there's been no Batman around this so then uh, we see Harvey and his wife are supposed to go to a movie he stops at Chong's tea house where um, some crime occurred or something like that he says that they can 
catch a, a late movie, but she says that, you know, she just wants to go home and, you know, whatever. He's like, oh, maybe that's for the best. So inside there's a bunch of guns and uh, there's like a, a dead body. And uh, Harvey says that they should have moved in the sky sooner because a holiday killer is covering his tracks. So I think it was like Mother's Day at this point or something like that. There's a breakout at Arkham. Scarecrow somehow has a horse to ride away on. Batman takes him down. He sprays his gas, but Batman has a, a mask on. But then Scarecrow jabs him with a needle. So then you see the big scary Scarecrow. The woods are on fire. The trees are alive. Batman's haunted by his parents' death. And then somehow now he's in the city. He's staggering around the city. There's a couple with a kid walking down you know, an alley or something like that. They just stare at him. He's Then he starts like kneeling in the rain. You know, in the alley, then uh, the the dude, the the lady's like, "Oh, is he all right?" And he's like, "Let's just, I don't care, let's get out of here." So he, they take off. Luckily, they took off because then Batman takes off his cowl. Catwoman shows up. She says, "Bruce, what are you doing?" And he like looks at her. He thinks that Catwoman is his mom. She takes him home. Alfred finds him you know, like on the doorstep or whatever. So and it goes from there. Then uh, it, it continues. You know, um, Father's Day. Sophia Carmine visits her dad. Um, she sees like Scarecrow in his office, so obviously the, he's there. Harvey and Jim visit Bruce. You know, what his business with the Falcone? He's like the the transfer has been reversed, whatever, and it it kind of just goes on from here. Um, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, obviously, but what what I really liked about this, so you know, the big question throughout all this is like, what what's the deal? Who is this holiday killer? And you know, a lot of this, the the big question is. Is it Harvey Dent? Because you know Harvey Dent, pure justice. He he's motivated. He's obsessed. You know so much that his poor wife. You know he keeps neglecting her and everything like that. But then uh, we know that that Harvey is a little unstable. We do get to see his origin, like not, not his or like Two Face's origin. What I should say, the whole acid in the face type of thing. What bothers me, what I wish they would have done, because I, I I don't remember where it happened, if it was ever in the comics or it was in, in, in the movies or somewhere, you know, I don't know if it was in the, the um, Tommy Lee Jones version, but I just remember it seems like where uh, Harvey Dent had like a like a, a manila folder or something in his hand. So when the acid splashed, he held it up, which blocked half of his face. And that's what makes the perfectly straight line down his face. Because in this, he just like puts up his arm or something like that. And then that's supposed to make it perfectly symmetrical. Minor, minor, minor problem. But I just wish he would have had the folder. Because that would make sense if he held it close or whatever. Even though it would flow over. So, you know, there there's more fighting and, you know, all these these characters. And, you know, uh, Matt Hatter's role in, in this was seemed kind of weird. I, I mean, What I realized as I'm watching this is, like, I, I kind of forgot how the, the, the comic ended. Because, again, there's also Calendar Man's, like, what is his role? And what does he know? You know, he's locked up in Arkham. What does he know about the Holiday Killer and, and stuff like that? And so they, they do a good job overall, you know, with these two. I... I wonder how it'll be and you know it's still too soon i'm so thankful that these were released so close together because i think it was when dark knight um what was it dark knight returns whatever when it was part one and two that was like it was a, a longer gap in between here so it's really cool that they released these so close together and i think it, it would be cool to watch the two movies back to back you know just like a double feature just like one big long movie because that's how it should be and i believe that it's going to come out, it'll be released in 4K next year. So unfortunately, you know, they're kind of forcing you to double dip if, if you want to get that 4K. But, 
you know, you'll be able, at least it's a year. So, you know, you can make up for it then or whatever. I don't know. But I mean, the thing is, who wants to wait a year to watch this? So it's a, it'll be cool to watch it back to back. So I, it'll, I'll have to probably wait because, you know, I don't, I don't really want to watch it again. But this is a movie. Uh, movies that is definitely worth watching you know like i said they, they did a really good job with, with these and that's what i like about the dc movies that they they just they do they do the stories justice um as far as the sneak peeks i'll jump to that we do get a look at injustice so that's supposed to be the next uh dc movie and uh, this, this feature, the sneak peek, it's like it's seven minutes and forty eight seconds, so you get to see a lot. You know, some of it it's, it's unfinished. You're seeing like animated storyboards and stuff like that. Uh, and it's it's a story, you know, from the video game, the comics, and you know the, what sets everything up. The thing that, that kind of bothered me a little bit is like you know when they're they're talking about it, they're they're talking about like Superman's transformation, like we've never played the game or you know, read the comics or anything like that. They're saying, you know, this is something that's never been seen. It's like, we know the story. We know the premise. But I'm sure even though there are people, you know, even though a lot of people play the games, there's going to be a lot of people watching this that probably haven't played the games and they don't know. They may not even realize it was a game, which is just weird because we're so immersed in this so of course we know there's a game of course we know that there was comics but you know there's gonna be a lot of people who are into these characters that don't know that so i guess you have that but it was just weird where they're, they're talking about it and um i just hope all the writers involved because I, I believe I, i'm pretty sure like jimmy palmiotti was involved with the story for the game but you don't really hear his name mentioned a lot and then, uh, you know, Tom Taylor wrote a lot of the comics. Brian Bucciolato wrote some of the comics. And uh, I just hope that they, they're acknowledged properly or compensated properly. I don't, I don't know. I, f- I think someone else, I don't know if Justin Gray wrote it with Jimmy or if it was just Jimmy. But I, I hope everyone involved gets gets compensated for it. Because, I mean, it, it was, you know, the, the games were cool. The, the comics were great. So hopefully the, the movie will, will be cool as well. For the, the DC showcase, we get Blue Beetle. So this is like uh, 15 minutes and 30 seconds, which is like a, a long... I, I, I don't think they're usually that long, but this was great. <laughs> it's uh, It starts off, it's like in color. He ha- it's, it's like a, a 60s animated show. Uh, there's like this cheesy theme song it's it's so much it's like pure cheese it's so so good uh the question is in there as well you got like the cheesy sound effects there's even like green psychedelic skies which is similar to like spider-man with the the purple you know whatever weird psychedelic skies so it's it's a really fun um wacky animated episode that it would be great, you know. It feels like it was real, like it was done back then. So if you loved Spider Man, Spider Man sixty six, I don't know why it doesn't sound right. Um, whatever sixty eight. Uh, it's it's basically like that. So it they do a really good job, and and that again, you know, it's fifteen minutes. It's 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 worth checking out. I don't know if you get the special features on a digital um release. I I you know I know sometimes some places do give you special features, so. Be aware of that if you're like, oh, man, I, I don't want to wait. I just want to, you know, I just want to put this in my digital library or whatever. I recommend getting the Blu-ray 
if you know if, if you don't get the special features because you definitely want want to check that out um there are two animated movies from the vault so it's a batman the animated series and it's it's two-faced part one and two so you, you can check all that out so it's it's a great deal um again the, the blu-rays are awesome it looks great it may not be 4k but it does still it looked really great you know i'm running it off of playstation 4 on my 4k tv so it looks nice the crisp and clear and animations is cool the voice acting is great so um you know great job all around so i i definitely recommend and if you haven't watched the first one yet you know get that as well but again please buy these movies don't um don't feel like well i don't have the money right now so i'm just gonna pirate it it's like you can't do that if you can't afford it right now just wait you wait until you can't afford it it is worth you know buying them or you know rent it you know Find a, a either a video store, which is weird, or if you can rent it online like Vudu or iTunes or Amazon or wherever, you know, but you need to pay to support so we get more of these. That's my uh, plead to you. So, uh, you know, because I, I want these to continue and I want them to be successful. Okay, then the main movie feature is Disney's Jungle Cruise. So this stars Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt, uh, Jack Whitehall has a big role, and then Paul Giamatti is kind of like a lesser role, you know, smaller role, whatever. So overall, with the movie, um, I mean, I love Jungle Cruise's ride. I mean, it's it's not obviously it's not my favorite ride at Disneyland. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't been to Disney World, so I can't comment on that. But it's always been a fun ride that, you know, you go every once in a while. If you just need something, you know, you want to, hey, there's not a big line here. Let's go here, sit and enjoy it, whatever. I I feel like, and while I'm not an expert on all Disneyland things, and I'm sure there are like articles that you can find about it. What was nice about the movie is there are some callbacks to the ride. There are some like whether they're Easter eggs or anything like that. There's some some jokes or references, and you know you can tell that uh, people got it. You know there there's other people in the theaters that were laughing as I'm like smirking to myself over like you know some things. Uh, so they they got it as well. What I will say, so I I went to see a Thursday night showing and. Uh, I didn't see it in the giant screen at my theater because it's like $2 extra to see it in there. I was like, I just want to see the movie in a theater. I don't need a huge screen. Uh, so I was in a smaller theater, uh, whatever, and it was pretty packed. So as I've been going to movies since May, and you know, it used to be like before the pandemic hit and everything like that, the Thursday night showings were getting like more and more busier. You know, there, there's a lot more people going to see the movies because, hey, let's see the movie before the weekend when it's going to be jam-packed and harder to get in or whatever. So since I've been going in May, there hasn't been that many people in the theaters, which was always kind of concerning to me because I was like, you know, I want the theaters to to thrive and be successful and be open and everything like that. But it was also kind of nice as we're, you know, like, okay, yeah, I'm, you know, vaccinated, I'm safe. I, I'm assuming the theater is safe. You know, I, I want to, you know, everything like that. So you know, there not being a lot of people in the theater, it was it was kind of nice, kind of reassuring. Uh, when I saw Jungle Cruise, there was a lot more people. I mean, it wasn't jam packed. There was no one sitting next to me. The next, you know, like the three seats next to me were all empty. But like down the row, there was like other people, and there was like groups of people that were 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 in there as well. And uh, so. I think that's a that's good in a way, you know. People are supporting the movies and, and all that. This is another movie that you can watch 
on Disney Plus Premium, Premium Access, whatever they call it, for the 30 bucks and stuff like that, which I already talked about the whole Black Widow and, and everything like that. So people are, are definitely going out to see this. And whether it's nostalgia for the ride, or if it's because of Dwayne Johnson or Emily Blunt or wh- whatever the deal is, but... This is a, it's it's a fun family movie. You know, it it's it's a it's a big adventure movie. There are some parts that are a little far fetched or whatever, but um, that's just you know yeah yeah accept that. And um, overall, you know, I I enjoyed the movie. My thoughts on the movie because at first I'm like okay, I I do like Dwayne Johnson, you know, as a whatever as an actor and everything like that. You know, he he always does a, a great job in his role. But him as uh, the the skipper on this, I was just like, so here's a dude who is like massive, you know, massive dude, and he's he's driving a little boat, and I was like, he's almost like bigger than the whole boat. So it's just like, okay, you know, and it's like, when does he find time to work? Where are his weights? Is you know, is he living on his boats? How does he work? How does he maintain his physiques and all that? So it just seemed like. Was he the right casting choice for this? He does a great job in the role. I, you know, I will say that. And then uh, with Emily Blunt, you know, she, she, at first, you know, when you're looking at her, so she's, um, the the whole idea, I guess I'll back up with this. What's going on in the movie to come up with the story? um, There's this like search for these uh, like petals to this uh, mystical tree or whatever that's supposed to heal any wounds, tears at a moon or something like that. And um, the the petals can cure any illness or injury or anything like that. So it goes, you know, you see the story about like 16th century these uh, conquistadors. They they go to South America, you know, Amazon. They they find it, whatever, and and then they basically want it, and they 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 kill, wipe out the village, and then they're cursed. So now it cuts to 1916, where Emily Blunt's character she. Um, She's been researching this Tears of the Moon thing because she's looking at it for the scientific breakthrough. That this could save the world. You know, this could make a huge difference. Her brother, played by Jack Whitehall, is like the kind of like the bumbling oaf. You know, he's not that much of a of an oaf or whatever like that. But he's, uh, you know, she's a lot more brash than he is. And, uh, you know, because she's a woman, she can't do like, you know, she's trying to request uh, like access to, they, they find the, uh, this arrowhead that has like a map or something, you know, there could be inscriptions on there that could help find it. So they're trying to get permission to look at it, but the, the Academy of science thing or what society, you know, they won't let women anywhere near because that's what they do. So he's like trying to distract them and she's going to try to access it. And so there, there's a a bit of like an Indiana Jones, like flair to it with her, you know, going through all this stuff. And then, uh, Jesse Plemons plays, uh, the, the bad guy, which is weird because I always think, you know, Friday Night Lights where, you know, he wasn't a bad guy, but it's like, that's, it seems like that's what he's been doing more and more lately. And he's like a kind of like a, a Nazi dude. That's like uh trying to, to get it, you know, for himself and for Hitler or whoever. And uh, I think it's for Hitler. I don't know my, my, my timeline. So that, that's the, the main aspect where, you know, he's the bad guy. Jesse Plymouth is a bad guy going after them. Uh, Emily Blunt and her brother, they want to seek out this uh, tree of life thing. And they're going to go to the Amazon and they need someone to drive them through. You've seen a trailer, you know the story. And they, they kind of come across Dwayne Johnson who finagles things, whatever, to try to get 
the business type of thing. Paul Giamatti is is the the crusty harbor master, I think is how they referred to him, who you know is giving Dwayne Johnson a hard time because he owes him money and everything like that and everything. So that's basically how the movie goes, where you know it's it's them going out on a boat. But what I do love is when we see Dwayne Johnson, you know, like before this starts off, he's like taking this, you know, other people like on a cruise down the river and everything like that. And he's telling like super corny, cheesy jokes, which I love. And that's what they do on the Jungle Cruise ride. And if you've ever um, gone on the ride, they even include the part about the eighth wonder of the world, about showing that. And, uh, I don't. I won't spoil that, but it, it has to do with a waterfall. We'll just say that. So if you've ever been on it, you know what I'm talking about. So I, I love the fact that they, you know, threw in little things like that. And there's like other little things, you know, with like the if you've been on the ride with like the 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 hippopotamus or whatever, and and uh, the the natives with you know shooting and so yeah, there's a lot of callbacks to the ride, which again is awesome. So when you're for, when I for me when I'm first watching a movie. I'm like getting adjusted. It's like, okay, so we have Emily Blunt as a super strong female character. Awesome, great, you know, unheard of for the time. They make a lot of reference to the fact that she's wearing pants, you know, because she's like, why? She refuses to wear a dress. You know, she wants to wear pants. It's more practical. You know, Dwayne Johnson even like calls her pants throughout like most of the movies. So, you know, you have all that. Again, awesome. It's great for little kids, for boys and girls to see this this tough woman rather than being the poor damsel in distress. Absolutely no, it is unnecessary to have her be a damsel in distress. And then we have, you know, big, strong Dwayne Johnson, whatever as well. So it's like they're almost like on equal footing. Not quite, but almost. So as as this is all, you know, we're watching all this. I'm like, I'm I'm adjusting to it. I'm I'm getting I'm like, okay. This is fine. And I don't really know what I expected in a, a Jungle Cruise movie. When I first heard about it, I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. This is silly. This is a fun ride at Disneyland. And even saying it's a fun ride is kind of pushing it a little bit. I you know I, I love it for the nostalgia fact or whatever. Just you know going on it. But it's like a whole movie based on this. It's like okay, you know. But that's what they did for Pirates of the Caribbean whatever and uh even though like emily blunt and dwayne johnson were in, were in it i wasn't like super excited to see it but i'm like okay you know, I'm, I'm gonna watch it it's a big you know movie of the summer so I'll, I'll see what's going on so as you're watching it you know it, it's all it, it, it's getting better and better i'm getting more more it's like okay yeah i, I kind of like this and, and stuff and then you start getting some cg aspects to it some like kind of mythical you know because of the the curse there are some other um bad guy quote-unquote bad guys in there who are a little cg based and um seeing that i'm just like really i was like oh man and you know again it was kind of making me think of pirates of the caribbean how they they started relying on that to push the story and I, i wasn't really sure how i felt about that but then after i i got over that as the movie continues further I started coming back around again and really trying to, you know, just really started embracing the movie. And, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about the chemistry between Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. And yeah, you know, I, I guess there, there's that. There's also an aspect that came out, I think it was like a couple years ago, where it was revealed that Jack Whitehall's character would be gay. And, you know, he he mentions that. I Again, I think that is awesome. I think it's, it's great that, that Disney isn't shying away from that. But apparently... Um, there was an uproar about this. People were slamming Disney 
because I don't know if it was because he was sort of like the bumbling oaf. And so they made the gay character the bumbling oaf and, and people were upset by that. I think it's great, great the fact that, that he's there. And, and maybe his coming out part in the movie wasn't necessary to the plot. I'm so I, I I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome that they included that and they they handled it well. Is it a little forced? Maybe I don't know, but I I think it's great that they have that because again I feel like this is something that you know we don't see enough, and um, I I feel like it was handled well enough that it there wasn't too much attention drawn to it that it wasn't it didn't feel like it was forced in there just to to be equitable or whatever. I, th- I thought they did a great job with it. And I know whatever people aren't happy with it, but it's like, it's like, no, I mean, at least we, we got it. Could they have handled it better? Maybe. Could they have, have changed things? Could they have made, you know, Dwayne Johnson, the, the gay character, you know? Yeah, they, they could have done that, but I don't think society, unfortunately would, would handle that. I don't know how they would handle that, but I thought it, it was it was fine and it was good and I you know I, I I applaud them for doing that but again it's not my battle or argument or whatever to you know stand up on that hill and and say whether they did a great job or not a great job it's it's not my 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 right but I I feel like it was done well but what do I know so overall with the whole movie you know I I do do like it um again a little too much CG in, in, in some parts of it but. It, it was a, it was a fun adventure and and I, I think it was this is a, a great it's not groundbreaking necessarily by any means but I feel like they they did a really good job with it would this be a franchise could they do more movies um they probably could I don't think that they should but I, I know I, I feel like they could easily do it I don't know what they could do because you know the the story pretty much has closure and, and all that and um some people survive, some people don't, or whatever. But it, there, there's no end credits. There's, there's no hints of anything. So you know, they're, they're probably gonna just see how how people take to it or whatever, and how it does. The problem is because we're still in this post pandemic or pure, still in the pandemic with mutant variants and and stuff like that. It um it had a two hundred million dollar budget, so in theory it should make six hundred million dollars to be profitable because they always say like three times. The, the budget um, they're projecting it to make like somewhere around 32 like 30 million dollars which is good I mean in pre pandemic there are some movies that that's like all that they would make at the box office so the fact that you know we have people still hesitant to go to theaters and I don't know how many theaters were open before because I, I, I it sounds like it seems like it's starting to show like uh, on um like, like 3,000 screens, 3,500 screens or something like that. Uh, let's see, do I know how many? Uh, 4,200 theaters. So that that's a lot of theaters. That's definitely more than um, what, what old had and everything like that. So I don't know how many theaters there were before, like what the pre-pandemic numbers were. So, you know, we're, we're getting even, and even though it doesn't matter how many screens it's, it's playing on, if they're not full, because like I said, when I saw old last Friday afternoon, I was the only person there. And when I saw Snake Eyes, there was like maybe five other people there in, in that screening. So just because you have all these theaters doesn't mean that they're selling out or even half full or anything like that. So I don't think that that's necessarily an indication of anything. It's showing the potential what you could have. So 
It made a let's see, two point seven million Thursday night previews, and it made thirteen point four million on its first day. So I don't know how they measure success these days because you know nothing is being profitable, and you know it. It's I don't know if if they you know they they have to take that into consideration whether there is room for more or not. I I feel like trying to push for a sequel might is it would be pushing it. I mean, I don't know. Are they going to go on some other jungle cruise for something else? They Again, they could easily do it. If we could have so many Pirates of the Caribbean movies, they could easily do another jungle cruise movie, you know, if they and if they they if they do, bring back Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt, and Jack Whitehall, you know, I'm 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 there for that. So, it, it's an enjoyable movie. It's it's a good family movie. Um there could be some suspenseful parts and, you know, whatever, but they, I, I feel like it, it was it was a fun movie and that's what we we need that's what we want you know you want to go to theater for the escape or whatever and uh you know should you pay the thirty dollars and watch it at home again that's your call I don't know I I feel bad saying that because of the black widow lawsuit and I don't know what their contracts were and how that all works but you know you you got to do what you, you got to do so you know you want to support the movies and you know, supposedly Black Widow is like the top torrented movie because people. It's like don't torrent these movies, don't pirate them. That is is killing the potential for you know more movies. I mean, look how long it took to make Black Widow, and you know now Marvel might be like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this because you know whatever. And you know, I would love to get a Black Widow you know sequel with Florence Pugh, but if it's not successful, then they may, they may be like, why should we do another movie? Anyways. Jungle Cruise is good, and whether you know you you don't feel if you don't feel safe going to theaters, don't you know I'm not going to push you. You should be vaccinated, in my opinion. But you know if if there's a, a bunch of you, and even if there's just two people that are going to watch it, you know if you're looking at fifteen dollars each, that's almost. If you get three people to watch it, watch and then yeah, it's it's you know it's worth the thirty bucks, and it's a fun movie. It's, you know, like I said, it's not groundbreaking, you know, it's probably not going to win any, any. Oh, the other thing, Metallica's music. I'm like, what the heck? I was like blown away because as, as it starts off giving the, the intro about the, the conquistadors and everything like that, there's like this orchestral version of Nothing Else Matters from Metallica. And they play this song like a couple other times and it's like a, they, it gets longer and everything like that. So you know that that's a it's a I would say it's a great Metallica song. Some people might not agree. You know I don't know how hardcore Metallica fans feel about it because it's like a different genre, era for Metallica. But I, I thought it was really cool to to hear about. It. I'm like what what is going on with that? So apparently, in according to Wikipedia, in two, January 2019, it was announced that James Newton Howard joined a production as a film score uh, composer. August 2020, it was real Metallica collaborated with him. On an instrumental version of the song, Nothing Else Matters, according to the band's drum, drummer, Lars Ulrich, Metallica worked on the film after Walt Disney Picture President Sean Bailey felt like Jungle Cruise was the right fit. <laughs> I don't see that. <laughs> was the right fit for collaboration between Disney and Metallica. Bailey has always been looking for the right match where there was a way that Metallica could contribute to some Disney project. So maybe he's just a Metallica fan. I don't know. It sounds great. I, I love the version of it. It's 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 really it's really pretty the way it sounds, but I just I was like Metallica in a Disney movie. It's like what the heck is going on? So yeah, it's it's a good movie. You should check it out. I enjoyed it. 
It's fun. It's and it's Dwayne Johnson. You know, Dwayne Johnson is so charismatic. Emily Blunt is great in here, so it's it's worth checking out. That is my thoughts on it, and that is going to be the podcast for this week. So big thanks to. Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And we're currently talking about 1989's Vision Quest storyline from West Coast Avengers by John Byrne. I'm, I'm just, I think I'm going to continue with this week. You know, we'll do another another part. It's almost like it could stop there, but there's still some loose ends that need to be wrapped up. So maybe I'll continue with that. Um, and sometimes I'll talk about movies. I still have a couple movies that I want to talk about that I'll get to after the story arc. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. So um, as far as this coming week, we have the Suicide Squad. So um, we have that to look forward to. As far as other stuff, there's there's not a whole lot. There's still no CW shows this week. I think it's going to be the following week. So we'll have Star Wars The Bad Batch. We'll have Rick and Morty. And then um, the only other thing, there's the Transformers uh, War for Cybertron part three kingdom i'm not I, i'm not super looking forward to that i as i record this i've only watched the first episode and um because it, i was never into beast wars the so, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes but we'll talk about that so if i if i go through to five episodes like i did with he-man it'll probably be a little shorter because i won't have as much to, to go off about but other than that i'll have to see what else there is you know i debated like i said um bumping batman to the following week but i was like well since it's out there you probably want to hear about it and and so forth <laughs> I, I don't think i'm gonna talk about more jellystone for next week but maybe there'll be something else that pops up because uh star girl is coming soon but that's on the 10th so we'll, we'll see about that so uh, the suicide squad i am excited that will be on hbo max as well i have my ticket so i'm gonna go to a thursday night showing on the big screen um, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's at 97% on Rotten Tomato right now. It was at a hundred percent with 43 reviews. Now it's at, uh, 97%, which I forget how many reviews, but, um, I, it looks like it's going to be good. So I'm, I'm excited for that. So on that note, thank you for listening. Thank you to those who are supporting and thank you to those who are listening. Um, I hope you are doing well. Hope your summer is going peachy keen and I hope you're taking care of yourself. And I really hope that you remember to be good to each other.